Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Hey, just before we get started, this is a conspiracy, paranormal, and true crime podcast. The nature of this podcast is gory, unsettling, and definitely vulgar. And we curse a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. So be advised. So we're just two idiots with a mic. Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan. And this is episode 100. Yeah. Can you guys even fucking believe no because i literally cannot believe this we let's set the scene for you for those that aren't on youtube which if you're not get on it right now what are you doing subscribe subscribe right now and um subscribe again on a new account no i'm just kidding on a million accounts please (laughs) to set the scene for you we have thrown it back to season one right now (laughs) we are in our pajamas yes it's like a creeps and crime sleepover vibe here all of the og creepy shit we have blankets on we have spooky pillows on our laps we have a creep it real pillow behind us with a candle lit skeletons everywhere all it's called a boo candle all we're missing is the webbed do you oh remember the when webs. we did it for halloween and we yes. just left it there like oh that's for, so forever. fucking cute we're no. like it's christmas time and we still have spider webs, webs on the wall why did we do that <laughs> it was hilarious it, it was, was so cute are you kidding oh my god for um Hall- halloween um for christmas this year we have to get a black tree for our oh, studio yeah. and score or, or what a pink tree oh a pink tree a pink tree i bet they have an ombre pink and purple tree yeah we could find one of those and we can use trifecta what are they called ornaments like alien face a ghost face and a knife stop and of course of course of course of course ornaments for ollie of course and nona those are must-haves maybe we can (laughs) this is really far out there oh god maybe we can make a cnc ornament Oh yeah, for sure. I think we have to make everybody. That a is the ornament. that is the topper of the tree. Honest to God, it's not an ornament. That is your your tree topper. We have to make like limited edition season one, season two, season three CNC ornaments for people to collect. <gasps> yeah, Are, would you late? guys collect them? Is it too late for that? No, because what we'll do is we'll use um like the the vibe of those like holiday seasons for the past seasons. We'll and we'll curate. A wow, that's such a big word. <laughs> and we'll curate. And we'll curate. To match the aesthetic of the this aesthetic. Season. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Does anybody know an Etsy owner who Is makes anybody here an an Etsy owner? That would make us um custom ornaments uh bulk ship. On demand. On demand. Let us know. We're waiting on your response. Do do 
Do you anyway, remember guys, our waiting room music? Yeah. I miss our waiting room music. Me too. I j- that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Guys, we went back and we listened to um, episode one today. Yes. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> that was a throwback. First off, audio horrific. <laughs> <laughs> why are y'all starting there like what I, I don't know how many times we have to tell you just not don't. to go there just don't but yeah everybody does and this that was before the yo 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 and we were talking about this actually the other day is that like for us it's been two years yeah but for people that come and they binge us within a month they're experiencing two years of us our lives because we give you an intro a ton of our lives and like you know we tell you just about everything that happened in a week like yeah. they're experiencing two years of our lives our growth our friendship growth the podcast growth marriage day to day yeah engagements marriage friends moving and moving back dogs dogs cats and friends all in a month all in a month, you guys binge two years of our lives in one month, and then you're like, we need more episodes. And we're like, oh, my like, God. Time only goes so fast. <laughs> We've done this every week for two years. <laughs> we're trying our best. I would love to go back to it. I would love what to. What would you change? Our, our microphones. Our microphones, point blank, period. And yeah. I, like, would have been like, hey, um, actually – you need to research like this, <laughs> like not like this. Yeah. And you don't have to give your sources verbally. You can just link them. Okay. But besides like the like hard things on the, on the, the podcast, yeah. like what would you change about the way we did the podcast? Not a single fucking thing. Me neither. Not it a was single fucking, fucking iconic. It, it was, was iconic. so iconic. <laughs> it's iconic of us. We just fucking, and it was psycho. Like we, it was like two random ass bitches. They're like, yeah, let's like talk about two things we know nothing about. And let's just do it for fun. <laughs> We're like, oh, our certifications. We've talked about it before. Our certifications? Our living room couch. Our living room couch. <laughs> that is it. And that's still our brand. Yeah, and it's not like we have like any like, I mean, we've both been haunted, but I'm pretty positive that like 50% of the world has been as well. Right, exactly. So we were like, we were haunted once. We need to start a podcast. Yeah, we know nothing about this shit, but okay. I mean, that was ridiculous, but I love it. I love it I'm like, sure, yeah, I'll talk about government conspiracies. I know so much. I love it. I talk about it all the time. (laughs) I I have this friend from home. He talks about it. I live and breathe conspiracies. (laughs) I walk out my door and I say, wow, is this even the sky? I walk up, I get in my car and I look to my left and my right and I'm like, wow, are these even real people? We're just driving death machines. Like, <laughs> just dumb shit. We literally, that was really iconic of us. Yeah, no, it was fucking It's still dope. really fucking iconic of us if we're going to be real. It was fucking dope. It was. It was really, that was really bold than what we did. Yeah, brave. Bravery. Courage. Bravery, courage, purple heart. That's what that was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was nothing. It was a black heart. <laughs> you can even call it that. Okay, take it a step back. <laughs> yeah. Just two idiots with Mike. Remember that. Oh, shit. Well, uh, we have some good stuff planned for you today. Yes, we do. Morgan and what? Uh, we haven't like caught up with them in a while because we've been so busy. So catch up. 
So what have I been doing in life? Yeah, what have you been up to? Um, okay, so yesterday my car broke down in the middle of the road. Um, this like godsend hero homeless man yeah. um, came running over to save me. I was in tears. He pushed my car to the side of the road. And literally, if he didn't come to save me, I probably would have gotten hit. I had Monkey in the car with me, so that was scary. Monkey's Ollie, by the way. Um, yeah, Monkey's Ollie. I don't know if you guys know that I call him Monkey. I, we just call him Monkey, and I'm like really afraid someone thinks, A, you have a monkey. B, you have another dog named Monkey that we totally like leave out of everything. I call Ollie Monkey because he climbs on top of me. Like he's an actual monkey. And then he also, his favorite toy is a monkey and it has like arms and legs that are like ropes. And then he like will put it around his neck himself and he just walks around with the monkey like swinging on his neck. It's fucking hilarious. Okay. He was a monkey in a past life. I think he was too. Yeah. So anyway, I call him Monkey. 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 So yeah. So Monkey's in the car. So this man came, pushed my car over. I have a really old car. It's time to get a new one. Hopefully in the next couple weeks. And um, Aaron ended up coming and... It was an electrical thing, we think, and after a couple minutes, of course, Aaron comes. Of course, guys. I had, like, four men at the side of the road. It was, like, right near a gas station. Well, I was actually in a gas station at this point. Four men over there helping me, turning on, nothing's working. It's just stalling, stalling, stalling. Aaron comes. I have to pull him out of his fucking video games. Aaron comes. He... Like comes over, he's like, I don't understand what's wrong. You're not making any sense. I'm like, please help me. I'm like crying, sobbing, and so he turns the key, and it's like a and it starts, and he's like, okay, I'm just gonna drive it home. I'm like, I need to take your car, go get Starbucks. That's where I was going in the first place. Go get me some Starbucks. It's been a long day. I was like, take the dog. So anyway, he drove my car and it seems to be working now. But um, what have I been doing in my life? Um, a little just working. What about you? I went to Nashville on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. I forgot to that. tell you guys about this. So I went to Nashville on Tuesday. And mind you, we recorded 99 on Sunday. So typically I use Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for editing. And Thursday, I start my notes for when we record on Sundays. But you guys know that we're heading into season three and we're coming in hot as hell. And everybody we know was getting married and literally from September and October. All the bachelorette parties we've been on, it's time. So we've got a lot of things that we have to be like pre-recording and getting done. So our schedule is not like a regular schedule. It's just all over the place. It's chaotic. It's chaotic. It's chaotic, but it's iconic. It, it's chaotic, <laughs> but iconic. Okay. TM. Like, are you kidding? That's merch. That's some merch. <gasps> Anyways, so we've been iconic, but chaotic. And we were, you know, getting everything done. And Monday, I got it confirmed that my cousin Kylie was going to be making her Grand Ole Opry debut. So fucking in awesome. Nashville. Iconic. No, in Nashville. And yeah, Nashville. So I was like, well, I'm going. And so I hop in my car Tuesday at 11 and I had finished video editing at this point and audio. Um, but not and this was also our crossover episode that yes. she had to edit so that was like a whole lot of a whole thing you know like four different it, two audio tracks is hard but four was, audio tracks is oh my god that was a new um era that we hadn't really diversed into yet of, <laughs> yeah like how we recorded that yeah style episode it was interesting so tuesday morning I hop in my car. I jump on the road. I'm driving to Nashville. Oh, my God. Kylie did amazing. We went to a little after party uh, to celebrate her. It was really, really awesome. So we went to the after party. We go to sleep. We wake up the next morning and we went to go meet with my uncle and my aunt who live in Oklahoma who came in to watch Kylie. It's her papa. 
and her mama and so we went over there and I, we sat and had some lunch with them and i was just waiting because i saw some traffic on my map yeah great. <laughs> good call so i literally leave mount julia and i get right outside of the suburbs of nashville and i hit standstill traffic on one of the biggest curves that is on the interstate in this area and i had to like whip myself over to this like emergency lane and I sat in it for an hour and there was people piling up because it's on this giant curve. So there's even more wrecks that are going on. I'm watching my clock go from I was supposed to get home at five to now 530 to 630 to 615 to from 615 to 715 from 715 to 815. And I was like, oh, my God, this is literally not allowed I have to get this episode out like I have no choice so this is Wednesday the episode has to go out that next day I get off on this service road right and I call Morgan I'm like look I'm about to have no service I have no idea how I'm gonna get home I'm just gonna follow any road I can find east but I need you to go over to the house and do this 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 and this and this and this to the audio and video and Morgan's like um okay hold on let me write down my direction so i'm yeah. typing out all my directions she's like okay and she's cutting out i'm like i'm like you're breaking up you're breaking up i swear guys she was just cringling i swear she was just <laughs> crimping gum wrapper into the phone she's like and then go to export file and i'm like what export what export file okay okay export export this so anyway so i was like yeah sure i'm taking monkey to the dog park anyway so yeah I'll- I'll stop by. So they came by and fixed it. Literally, it saved my life because if if she wouldn't have came over and exported everything that she did, I literally the episode wouldn't have been out on time. Like there's just no way around it. So she came over and did that. I ended up getting home at six thirty because I just followed this guy from North Carolina. Tags. I just followed. You're like, yeah, he's definitely going east. I was like, if if you're we're going near North Carolina, I just want to be there. I don't care. So I just followed him, and I somehow like got past Cookville and was able to get back on the interstate and there was no one on it because I found out they had shut down all the exits and had to land helicopters to get people out of there yeah it was awful you know what's really like oh 20 minutes but what's really frustrating and sad is that like every car accident like you sit there and stand still traffic and everybody on that road is just so mad they're so irritated and you're so frustrated and everyone always forgets like there's someone who's literally in danger really hurt yeah and their (sighs) life just got flipped upside down yeah and we're just pissed the fuck off that yeah they wrecked well there's just got to be like an easier way to clean up the interstate quick quickly well you know what i mean like like you gotta have the emergency lanes need to be bigger like emergency lanes have like either like gate gated like entrances Mm -hmm. that have to be unlocked so like cars can't just drive through like in road rage like oh let me get over in like an hoa or hoa loan okay (laughs) okay logan petzner okay (laughs) okay coming down she is a loan originator right here mortgage officer morgan mounds okay hov lane is that what it's called hov yeah okay but what does that even stand for i don't know human occupant vehicle more than two human occupant vehicle vehicular i don't know anyway but like if they was like gated um then you guys get what i'm saying (laughs) i'm done talking i'm over here like thing goes out whatever it's fine um So you're ready to hit them with it yeah. for the hundredth time for the one hundredth time. If you're driving, throw that shit at 100 miles per hour. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Please. 
<laughs> if you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you have a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get, get creepy. Okay, you guys already know that one of our favorite sayings on this podcast is love it but hate it. Merchant. But what if we told you we found a podcast called I Hate It But Love It? And when we discovered this, we went to binge. I Hate It But I Love It is a pop culture podcast that you're going to love and hate simultaneously, much like our cases. Each week, host Kat Ingus and Jocelyn Getty watch a movie or a TV show and pick apart their complicated feelings about it. They understand that pop culture doesn't have to be good in order for you to love it. It doesn't have to be terrible in order for you to hate it. And you can find things to laugh at in almost everything. Do you know how the movie Spice World technically isn't that great, but you can quote it by heart anyway? Absolutely. Or how This Is Us makes you roll your eyes and tear up at the same time, <laughs> like literally Taylor and I's dynamic. The <laughs> amount of Snapchats I have of Taylor sobbing to This Is Us and me like, I don't get it. Are you okay? Or maybe you're obsessed with the OA for reasons you just quite can't explain and you still love watching the Titanic, even though Leonardo DiCaprio totally could have fit on that door at the end. We all know that. 100%. There's no... Like Kiki Palmer said it best. Yes. Well, then I hate it, but I love it is the podcast for you. Plus, Kat and Jocelyn are freaking hilarious, but do not take our word for it. I hate it, but I love it podcast has won three Canadian podcast awards, including best comedy podcast and best host in a series. That's all of Canada which is a pretty big country. They release new episodes every Wednesday on all podcast platforms. You can listen to I Hate It But I Love It on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I think you're going to love it and not hate it at all. All right, then, Morgan, what do you have for us today for the hundredth time? All right, Tom, back before we started this podcast, I remember vividly the day you came bursting into (laughs) the living room telling me to drop whatever I was doing and listen to the story that you had just heard M cover on, and that's why we drink. (laughs) And this was obviously a daily thing, but this story had us both in a black hole of YouTube videos, Reddit dives, and 3 a.m. discussions. It's one that you have been begging me to do, so after 99 episodes, I realized I guess I would do it for you. So happy 100th episode. This time travel Abraham Lincoln Gettysburg address government conspiracy is for you, bitch. I'm so happy. I could literally cry. I have chills all over my body. I'm just going to dive right into it. Um, Starting with the 2016 presidential election, which we all know was one for the books, but not in the way that you're remembering. It was going to be groundbreaking either way. The first woman in the White House or the first Hollywood businessman in the White House, but there was another candidate that would have broken both of those titles. 2016 presidential candidate and Seattle-based lawyer Andrew Basiago, if succeeded during elections, would have been the first time traveling government whistleblower in the White House. That would have been insane. Iconic. Iconic. Yes, you heard that right. This was the headliner for all articles in the spring of 2016. 
time traveling conspiracy theorist lawyer running for president. He had policy proposals unlike any other presidential candidate in history. His first policy that really won over much of liberal voters was about ending homelessness in America. He states in January 2015, 564,000 Americans were homeless on a given night. Of that number, 206,000 were people and families and 358,000 were individuals. About 15% of the homeless population, some 83,000, are considered chronically homeless. We can and should end homelessness in America by adopting Utah's approach of, first, giving the homeless immediate shelter and modest apartments and houses, and then second, where drug and alcohol addiction, mental health, and unemployment are the cause of their homelessness, intervening to help them with their personal problems. This was like, yeah, for sure. Like, Iconic. We, we fucking love this guy. Like, let's right. vote him. But then they got to his second policy, and that was about ending chemtrail spraying by the United States. I've actually never covered chemtrails. Oh, I can't believe that. I feel like we've talked about it so much. I know, and I maybe I should cover it soon. Oh, yeah. What um, one? What did you say? 101. 101. Or the first app of season three. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, Basiago's campaign website from 2016 states that the chemtrail program was the brainchild of Dr. Edward Teller. Teller advised that if we sprayed aluminum and barium oxides in the upper atmosphere, that this would enhance the albedo effect, the reflectance of solar radiation back into space from clouds, snow, and sand. This, he hoped, would stem global warming, which by stopping the Gulf Stream may threaten us with a new ice age. The chemtrails, however, have led to widespread respiratory distress. The president should end chemtrail spraying by U.S. agencies by executive order and pursue technical innovation to end global warming. So his presidential campaign policies went zero to 100 really fucking quick. Right. But then his campaign continues to go past 100 to 200. He's like cranking up the volume when his next proposal is protecting the Sasquatch species. He says Sasquatch exists. I know. I am the first United States presidential candidate since Theodore Roosevelt to declare publicly that I have encountered Sasquatch. Roosevelt's encounter occurred when a Sasquatch was scared into his campsite one night when he was on his great North American ape expedition. I encountered an adult male Sasquatch and his young son when I was camping at Lake Sekundaga in that Adirondacks, sorry I mispronounced probably both of those, in 1966. The Sasquatch have matrilineal DNA that is human and patrilineal DNA from an unknown primate. Oh. The president should protect the Sasquatch by putting them on the endangered species list. Wow. We went straight from like homelessness to Bigfoot. Yeah. Usually we see gun control, right. you know, pro-choice, pro-life, health care policies. Like, like the trigger, the trigger, the religion triggers like yeah. those things. No, now we're seeing homeless. Okay, okay, okay. Great candidate. Let's like, do that. Let's, sounds let's great. Let's fix that. That sounds great. Chemtrails. Chemtrails. Sasquatch. Sasquatch. And then he says um, what I'm actually here to talk about today. His final policy, fourth and final policy, was disclosing secret advanced technologies. He says, <laughs> for 70 years, the United States government has been concealing advanced technologies because they might be socially, economically, or technically disruptive in nature. These technologies included teleportation technology developed by DARPA's Project Pegasus. They may also include cancer cures. The government should begin a program to declassify and deploy this knowledge. 
The standard of technical disclosure should be what provides the people best available technology. This will enable the United States to reclaim its mantle as the world's catalyst of applied science. Wow. Wow. Right? Wow. Wow. But like, they're not going to go for that, buddy. Yeah. Unfortunately (laughs) for us fear monger conspiracy theorists, presidential candidate Andrew Basiago was not elected in the year 2016. But do not fret, because according to Basiago and his experiences that he has had with this government program, he says, quote, I have prior knowledge that not only will I run for president, but that during one of the elections that would have to be between 2016 and 2028, because I'm not running past that, I am either elected president or vice president. Bro. So that's this next election. That is literally. Or no, we have 2024 still. And then, and then with 2028. So he, the last year he would run would be 2028. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the next upcoming elections. Next two. This yeah. man is saying. He is going to be elected president. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like, I, I'm here for the, you know, put it out in the universe, you know? Yeah. Like, like protect the species, the yeah. Sasquatch, like yeah, get rid like, of the chemtrails. Yeah. Like I, I love this, like, uh, what is it called where you like put it out in the universe and it is oh my god what is it manifestation manifestation like is it manifestation that he's doing here or what is it i don't know yeah exactly how could he know such a thing since 2004 andrew basiago has made public claims that as a child he was a test subject in the secret government program called project pegasus which worked on teleportation and time travel. Currently, he is the leader of something called the Truth Movement, which is a campaign to lobby the government to declassify information that they have that's been kept from the public that includes teleportation, time travel, and government relationships with extraterrestrials. Oh my god. But all of that wouldn't have happened without his father, Raymond. Andrew Basiago's father, Raymond F. Basiago, was a 1951 graduate of Lehigh University, which at the time had the world's leading electrical engineering program at the, is it baccalaureate, bachelorate? Dude, It's not bachelorate. Don't, I don't think it's botch, but. Back. 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 Baccalaureate. Baccalaureate level. Baccalaureate. After graduating from Lehigh, he was inducted into the Engineering Honor Society at a Kappa Nu. From 1952 to 1955, he worked at Oconite Company in Paramus, New Jersey, when he was approached by an Air Force colonel to report the following Monday to work on the ramjet engine to design a metal alloy that would allow the ramjet to come in contact with friction from molecules of air in our atmosphere or space dust in outer space without melting. So all of everything that I'm telling you guys is from um, Andrew Basiago's like two hour like seminar lectures that I watched on YouTube. So I didn't really get to type out all this, but I have like little notes here and there that I wanted to just discuss. And he said that they had approached his father because that night, like so that happened on a Monday. So that earlier, I think it was like a Thursday Mm -hmm. The prior the Thursday prior to this, there had been all of these UFOs spotted above the Capitol building oh my in god dc and like it made like headlines in washington dc that yeah. like these ufos were spotted and like 
back in 1952 like right. this, this happened and so they were like holy fuck like we need someone to come and amp up this jet like, like right we now. gotta get higher up in, in altitude in space like so they came and scouted out his dad as an engineer for this jet damn from 1956 to 1964 um andrew's father raymond researched teleportation at thomas edison research laboratory in west orange new jersey during this he was asked to repeat nikola tesla's teleportation experiment basically asking him try to figure out how to open up a vortal tunnel in the fabric of time can you imagine like just being like hey like could you recreate do Nikola you Tesla, mind? like the fucking genius could you recreate like that just real quick just like no big deal no big deal like while you're trying to create this engine that doesn't get fucked up by space dust that we don't have in our hands right do you mind to build a wormhole through time through space and time that and Tesla did yeah while, while you're at it no i'd be like literally no i can't it's right. the 50s yeah it's literally 1950 <laughs> um he was a senior projects engineer with the ralph's m parsons company and worked at the curtis wright aeronautical company facility in woodbridge new jersey in the building 68 he spent the majority of his years studying and replicating the work of tesla under government orders which brings us to nikola tesla it is believed by bastiago that nikola and much of the government um and much of Everybody. history and yeah. everybody that nikola tesla was in possession of teleportation technology not time travel but teleportation at the time of his death on january 7th 1943 okay at his suite in the new yorker hotel in manhattan he had a laboratory there with different devices kind of like just mocked out on paper right his last remaining years of life he was kind of acting dissolute as his his creative career as an inventor was over he spent the majority of his time raising his like 15 pigeons in his apartment, but that's what he wanted people to believe. Oh, yeah. The last 15 years of his life were not devoted to pigeons or raising pigeons, but dedicated to developing teleportation. And he did this because tons of people were after him. Yeah. They wanted his ideas. The day he died, January 7th, two teams raced to his apartment to seize all paperwork. And if you guys... I went more into depth on this in the Tesla episode. I don't know what episode that is, but somewhere in there. Um, the day he died, January 7th, two teams raced his apartment to seize all paperwork, and they had the congressional authority to do so by the United States because Nikola Tesla was not a United States citizen. So they used the Alien Properties Act to seize all property and belongings of any resident alien and hand it over to the National Archive. Whoa. Which I'm sure they literally, the day he died, they're like, let's make up this act real quick. Okay, yeah. okay, the... Type this up. Type, type, okay, okay. Go okay, ahead and okay. file Resident, this. In that. Residential Alien Act. Okay, and Print. filed and break into his apartment like, right fuck, now. We and, spell alien wrong and <laughs> steal his motherfucking shit. Yeah, right yeah. now. So they stole his shit and they utilized it. They made a new project and they built a machine that was designed around the plans found in Nikola Tesla's New York apartment after his death in January 1943. According to Basiago, the machine consisted of two gray elliptical arrows about eight feet high separated by about 10 feet, between which was like the shimmering curtain of what Tesla called radiant energy. Radiant energy is this form of energy that Tesla discovered and is latent and penetrating into the universe. And among its properties is the ability to bend space time, wow. a.k.a. teleportation, a.k.a. time Damn. jumping. Crazy. That is insane. Wait, was was it the episode? It wasn't just about Tesla, it was, right? It no, was, it was about Hawking's. It was it was all dive into that, and it was a Philadelphia experiment. Yeah, 
God, I can't remember what that. I was trying to remember what it was so they could go back and listen to it because it's vital to this story. I think it might have been Philadelphia Experiment. I think it might have been too. It was either Stephen Hawking's or Philadelphia Experiment. It's one of those two, but you guys have to go listen to Actually, that. Actually, both. Just listen to Just both. Just listen to both of them because both of those are so vital to understanding the Philadelphia a lot of Experiment is actually huge in this yes gigantic. like but like also like like in a way with tesla it's mm-hmm. huge because they stole his findings for the philadelphia experiment right and then now like having they to redo they it. stole they stole tesla's findings and they umbrellaed off of it into project pegasus the montauk project and the philadelphia experiment that those are the three branches that came out of what they stole from his apartment right God, that shit is so crazy. Isn't that fucking crazy? I feel so honored that we all get to learn about it from you. I am. So. Yeah, I'm literally like, I don't know shit. Like, guys, I'm literally just listening to this guy's seminar and I'm like, okay, well, let me just jot down notes real quick and try to explain it the best I can. No, but, but like people wouldn't know about this if you didn't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So let's talk about Project Pegasus. I'm so what excited. was it? The principal defense contractor involved in Project Pegasus was the Ralph M. Parsons Company of New York City. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Because that was Andrew Basiago's father's, like, that's who he worked for. Um, So the Ralph M. Parsons Company was based in New York City, New York, and was later based in Pasadena, California. Parsons is one of the world's two largest process engineering firms, and they actually built the entire city of, excuse my mispronunciation, Yan, Yanbi in Saudi Arabia. Really? They built the entire city. That's sus. Yeah. What? What's in that city? What's, what's in underne- that city? What's underneath that city right. is the better question. But like, is that a real city? Like, do people actually get to live there or is it all simulation? Like, right. Or is that where town travelers go to sit and chill? Exactly. Um, so Project Pegasus was commissioned by the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency or DARPA. DARPA at the time was considered like the think tank of the United States military, according to Basiago. It develops weapons, surveillance technology, communications technology. It's basically like a gadget lab for the military that's centered in Washington, D.C. DARPA was using all sorts of ancient civilization knowledge. I'm talking like Babylonian, Sumerian, Egyptian civilizations. They would then cross that knowledge over with what they know of extraterrestrial technology from UFO crash retrievals, ET, like human liaison projects. And then they combine all of that with foreign technology from like Nazi Germany and Soviet Russian experimentation with time travel. And they were trying everything they could to try to get something to work with teleportation and time travel, but nothing was really working. Nothing came together until they got a hold of Nikola Tesla's teleportation drafts. Tesla, combined with ancient extraterrestrial and foreign knowledge, gave birth to Project Pegasus. Are you still with me? I am here and I'm so ready. Isn't that fucking crazy? This shit is crazy. And here we are again with Nazi Germany. Dude. Every single fucking time. Every single time. We're talking about Nazi Germany. We're talking about Russia with some crazy experiments. We're talking about fucking ancient aliens, literally. Yep. Babylonian Egyptian civilizations they always pop in here right always so they were like literally taking like it's like foundation of religion and um innovation that is where everything stems from yeah so while it was a DARPA project at the same time Project Pegasus became an intelligence project for the CIA as well because why time travel somewhere if you're not gonna gather intelligence and as much information as you possibly can 
And who better to test this machine out than the employees' children themselves? As a child, Andrew Basiago was gifted physically and intelligently. But now Basiago describes his childhood self from 1962 to 1972 as being a time-space cadet or chrononaut as they called him. Chrononaut. Chrononaut. No, I was just... Chrononaut. How do you Chrono- say it? Chrononaut. Chrononaut. Astronaut. Chrononaut. Chrononaut. I love that. I kind of want to name my kid Chrono. Should we Chrono-not. name our listeners Chrononauts? Chrononauts. Do the creeponauts. Chrononauts. Um, Andrew Basiago was one of 140 children chosen by the CIA to undergo as a time traveler for Project Pegasus. Prior to his first jump, these children, or their first jump in general, these children were trained in what he calls alpha intelligence training. They were shown how to properly observe things, how to remember them, how to report them back, how to protect themselves, how to take a human life if needed, how to get information out to somebody in a creative way if they were ever held captive. They were literally these like psychic spies. Like it was crazy. And that's insane. They were being trained on how to advance the activities of the CIA while advancing the time travel activities of DARPA. As children, Andrew Basiago's first jump was in first grade that's crazy in the winter of 1968 when andrew was six years old his father took him to work and it would change the rest of his life at the time his dad was working at curtis wright and he walked andrew up to in his building building 68 or 86 dyslexia popping in right here um he walked andrew up to the teleport that they designed and he andrew remembers seeing these two like huge beams and they were curved in like like if you picture two parentheses and his father held his hand and he told him that on the count of three, we're going to jump through this and we're going to see light for a short period of time. And then we're going to find ourselves in another part of the country. Andrew, six years old, is just like, oh, oh, oh. all right. OK, dad. I mean, like whatever, whatever you want. Like, let's, OK, okay. Like, like what else is he supposed to I'm say? I'm a psychic spy. So like, I, I mean, nothing's going to surprise right, me. But at, at the time point. he wasn't. He didn't have any of this training. You're right. This is like the first time he like. He had jumped. Had ever jumped. His father, Raymond, then told the technician to turn the device on, and this radiating energy began filling the floor, and this curtain came out in front of them. Andrew and his father jumped, and they found themselves inside the Vorta Tunnel in time-space. He described it as a big, bluish-white, holographic sort of tunnel. Within seconds, they arrived 2,000 miles across the country at in New Mexico's state capital. They were greeted by a man named Bill Richardson and were given a state car to drive to Los Alamos where they met another man named Dr. Harold M. Agnew with paperwork. And this is how the conversation went. And during his seminar, he kind of described it as like, you're in customs at an airport. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have your, your person's going through your paperwork and they just like, don't ever really pay attention. Like... You're just like handing them your shit and right. they like don't ever look up really. They just like look at your face, make sure it's you, stamp your passport and they give it back. <laughs> yes. But this guy, he's like, how did your trip go? And, you know, and he's Raymond Basiago is like kind of like skeptical, mm-hmm. but like he's pretty clever. He was a pretty clever guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, it was fine and fast. And I guess the guy like looked up and he was like, oh, did you did you take the teleporter? Like he knew. Oh, my God. Raymond was like, yep. And so did my number three son, Andrew. Oh, my and God. And he, like, called his, his kids, like, number one, number two, number three. Like, yeah. they had to for documentation. Right. And the Dr. Agnew, like, looks at Andrew, and he was like, how old are you? And little Andrew's like, I'm six. Mm-hmm. 
And I guess this like the doctor's like face like went from like busy worker, like a, a passport office with no smile ever. They just stamp your passport and go to like this like so intrigued, like the biggest smile on his face, wanted to know more, was just like infatuated by these people who literally just teleported from fucking New Jersey to New Mexico, to New Mexico. And Raymond was like, says to the doctor, have you tried it yet? And the doctor's like, no, but I really, really want to. What? So they're just Have you tried it yet? Like, it was just like this new like like it was brand new and right. it was like he he was the creator of it his yeah. father was like he was one of the og creators of, right. of this to jumping space right. i think it was probably his first jump like this is never clear anywhere right but i'm thinking it was probably his first jump and he wanted to take his son with him through yeah and he was like if something happens or wherever i end up i want to have my son with me yeah damn i do i think that's how i think that's how it went down could you imagine if one of our if bucky or chip were like you want to go jump through time with us i would have been like fuck I'd yeah like, i'm absolutely do you know what my dad you know where my dad would have taken me to a fishing tournament no i probably would have ended up back with the dinosaurs with like a fucking muzzle loader on my like, yeah. shoulder like shooting shit. and he's like all right i'm gonna taxidermy this one yeah he's like yeah it's real nice you think this will transport back good? <laughs> I think my dad would take me to like an OG Motley Crue concert and we'd watch Tommy upside down on the drums coming in with fire shooting out of it. And be like, isn't this awesome? And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't want to come back here. You'd be at Woodstock 99. Yeah. No, not Woodstock 99. I'll go to Woodstock 69 or 67 or whichever one it was. Um, to make the return trip, they were taken to Sandia National Laboratories where there was yet another device. So I kind of skipped through all of this, but... The reason they went to um, the New Mexico State Capitol was because the laboratory there in um, San Jose, Mm -hmm. um, I guess, was actually infiltrated with like the KGB. Whoa. And it was a landing pad for their jumping space. Like it was like the other receptor end of where they were jumping. Right. But because it was infiltrated, that's why they got the state car. They had to leave like quickly. Right. But anyway, I don't know. Meanwhile, Dr. What's his fuck wants to sit here and chit chat. We're like, we got to go. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, he like goes into crazy depth about like how like the they had Soviet spies infiltrated into the laboratory. And he's like, and that's no knowledge now. You look it up on Google. That laboratory was infiltrated with the KGB. And he, he's he been talking about it before yeah. it was even out, right? Yeah. Crazy Damn, shit. Damn. That shit's whack. To make the return trip, they were taken to a different laboratory called Sandia National Laboratory where there was yet another device. And they arrived back in New Jersey 10 minutes after they left New Jersey. So time travel was involved. And this was 1968. Damn. So they teleported and they fucking time traveled. So that was Andrew Vastiago's first jump. But he didn't join the program officially until 1969 when he was a third grader. He was one of 140 children and 60 adults, including his dad, who were a part of Project Pegasus. But why children? According to Basiago, they taught children with adults to test if they were, or sorry, they trained children or tested children with adults to see if there were differences in the impact of time travel on people of different ages. And it turned out that children had an advantage of over adults in terms of adapting to the tension of movement between the past, present, and future. So basically, it was easier for kids to jump through time. Yeah. So therefore and your brain's still fluid so you can like understand yeah. and not be so traumatized by it. Yeah. Because like could you imagine jumping right now? I would be fucking mind blown. I would literally be like whoa. But as a kid like we dream of shit like that. You know yeah. we literally have an imagination that can take you there. For sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Whack. From what we know about Seiko's first jump, there was hardly any time travel involved, only teleportation. But from the time that he was officially signed on as a chrononaut, he endured training after training until he was ready to jump by himself. His first jump by himself, he only went backwards one hour so that his body could get used to the sensation. And then shortly after, Andrew would become a full-fledged professional time traveler working throughout his entire childhood. He was sent on missions to simply observe important historical figures during major events. He states that the CIA and DARPA had a keen interest in verifying the truth of events surrounding these important figures because of how vital they are to the nation's history. For example, he said that he traveled to the Middle East to report on Jesus. Damn. And was sent to the Revolutionary War to report on George Washington. But for both of those times, he was there to simply observe. Like, they just wanted, like, verification. That the, like, the, there's truth in this. Like, go okay. see Jesus. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to stay away. I would literally have to go and be like, I'd be like, sorry, can you walk on water real quick? <laughs> yeah, can you just do this really fast? Like, Jesus is like, what is that in your hand? It's an iPhone. You, but you, like, Jesus would know. Jesus would know. You're right. Jesus would, would be know. like, that kid is from 1968. What are you doing back in BC? <laughs> You're not supposed to be here. You know? Yeah. I, I wonder know. like what he observed Jesus doing. I know. Like, I wonder if it was to see him raised from the dead or if it was to verify that he was actually a human being who could act, who had these like special gifts and was the child of God. Right. I have no idea. That is insane. Um, Basiago's most widely known trip through time was to Lincoln's famous Gettysburg Address. And why is this trip the one that he's most known for? Because he claims to have photographic evidence of his presence there. That's crazy. According to Basiago, this picture that I'm showing Taylor, it's also on our Instagram right now. Um, this is him dressed as a Union Bungle boy standing in the middle of Gettysburg Address. I know you've seen the picture a million times. Yeah, but, but I'll see it a million again. more times. Yep. Cute. Yep. Cute little boy. Um, Basiago said that he had arrived just outside of Gettysburg as a seven-year-old boy, but that he showed up barefoot and pretty badly dressed. So he was taken in by a union, like, shopkeeper, and he was given a uniform and, like, oversized shoes, like adult male shoes. Mm -hmm. They were the only ones left in the shop. Literally captured next to fucking Abraham Lincoln at the Gettysburg Address. Literally. Let's talk about that real quick, because why would a child be at the Gettysburg Address? Right, number one. And number two, wh why would a child with a 70s haircut be right. in whatever year that was? Right. What year? Literally, is that? they're all in like everybody else is in like you, military outfits. Yes, military outfits and the big sideburns and shit that you would expect to see during this time. And then there's a little kid with a bowl haircut with shoes that are way too fucking big for him. Huge on him. And he's just chilling. And like, he's just walking around by himself. Like I think I'm at the wrong place. Hi. Yeah. Um, but the Gettysburg Address wasn't the only time that um, Andrew had visited President Lincoln. And some of his most important trips back in time, he dropped in on Lincoln during his infamous visit to the Ford Theater where he would be assassinated. According to Basiago, the purpose of these trips was to verify who had actually been responsible for President Lincoln's assassination. He went to the Ford Theater on the night of Lincoln's murder five to six different times, but he never got to the moment of the murder. Once he heard the gunshot and witnessed the huge commotion in the crowd, like that's as close as he got. He said that, quote, each of my visits to the past were a little different as if I was being sent to like different al alternate realities located on adjacent timelines. As these visits accumulated, I bumped into myself twice on two different visits. I would shit my pants. So they kept sending him back. And so he's there with his other version of himself who was just there. Yeah. Multiple of them. There's six of him there. I literally think that 
Project Pegasus is responsible for all the shit that we have going on right now. Deja vu. Anything <laughs> well, that's yeah. wrong with the world. Everything. They're the reason they have fucked, they the fucked up too many timelines. Yeah. Damn, we need timekeepers. Yeah. Loki. Loki. During one of his jumps, he was sent to the year 2045 where he was trans. This is Taylor's favorite part. This is my way. favorite part. Where he was transported to a building made of emerald in tungsten steel. He was sent on a mission to receive small canisters of like microfilm summaries of like events between the years 1972 and 2045 and then take them back to the 1970s. He described the environment like a garden city of tomorrow with a little bit of a balance between the built and the natural environment with very advanced activities going on. There were no cars. There was no pollution. At some point, he said there was a clear positive transformation of society that involved the use of teleportation to get rid of all of these like very polluting forms of transportation that we use today. Like, can you imagine being able to teleport to the Bahamas? Yeah, just instead of having like, to get on a flight, you just... Or, like, literally me being like, okay, we're done recording. Boop, I'm back home. Boop. We have just, like, a teleportation wall right there. You just walk through it. But then, how do you shut that off? Like, what if someone just fucking walks into your house? Like, you have to give access, you know? Yeah, like, like how would they even, like, organize that? Like, would we have to have, like, teleportation pass- passports? I have no idea. Yeah, like, do you have to, like, meet up with somebody? Right, like, how, how would we, like, be okay with who's walking where and doing what? You know, like, wouldn't that be crazy? But could you imagine if we could get rid of roads, how much more space we would have, like how much more beautiful the earth would be? Yeah. But how do you even get rid of roads? We just. What do you do with all that cement? You, they would have to find a way to like dissolve it in a way that it could be like turned into um, soil, soil to make or something that's or they could compost hell they could sort. use it to, and melt it back down and build buildings with it because they're gonna have to build more buildings we are overpopulated yeah anyway taylor this was her favorite part because she he always said that you want to tell them he yeah. All, yeah go ahead so basically the the most memorable thing the first time i ever heard this when m covered it on and that's why we drink it was this building and about how it was the only time he went to the future. And so this is his way to prove that he was actually there. So he wants to go when this happens. In 2045. In 2045. He wants to go and get himself from afar on video confirming his identity. And that he wants other people to be there. And at first I, I kept thinking, oh, is it in New Mexico? But obviously that's just me going back to the first jump where he went to New Mexico. But it still could be yeah, it still at could that be lab if that was still where they used to go get all that information. Yeah. So anyways, I'm really curious to see. But if we'll that's be, it. you guys can catch us. It's going to be a creeps and crimes. We've had it on the calendar for four years. At 24 on tw- the year 2045, which is what? 20 years from now? 20 years. 23 years from now. We'll be what? I don't know, but we'll have kids. We're going to load our fucking kids up in the car, and I'll be like, will you take them with you to go to We won't even be 50. Oh, my God. We're still going to be kicking it. We're still going to be up in there, up in that motherfucker. Are you Andrew Basiago? You think he'll be alive? Um, If not. I'm, if he keeps talking, he ain't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, but we'll be there to confirm it. Yeah. I'm sure there's a, a whole, like, Basiago, like, religion. Like, crew. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That would go to confirm it. Damn. Because if that's the only thing that we all like cognitively are aware of and has been released to the public, then that could confirm teleportation and time travel. Yeah. Damn. But why would the government stop it? Like, do you think they did it for their own personal gain or you think they did it because it was too dangerous? 
Well, they were fucking up too much. Are you going into that at all? Or do you want me to, to oh, say no, you can go? Um, so basically what I remember from my own personal like obsession with with this case for the longest was um, not only did they only use children because of the mental toll that it took on adults. It was also because um, they started off using like children that they stole from orphanages um, because the teleportation which I think we might have talked about this in Philadelphia basically like it took forever for you to your body to reload once you had teleported. Yeah, that's why those people got molded to yes. the ship. Yes, and like there would pe- be people that came back without With half no their legs. body. Yeah. yeah, and so they used these kids because it was smaller and that they could get them through faster and not yeah. have to worry about their bodies not coming back in one piece Yeah, and all that. But it was just like they were literally stealing children to do it. So like I bet they got caught or got in trouble and they're like, you're going to have to stop this. And so they started using the kids. And then once they get to a certain age, like your mind becomes no longer fluid. Like that's just mm-hmm. naturally how we evolve. Yeah. And yeah, I also, so, I also think it has something to do with like, I'm actually going to go into this a little bit in a second, but they at first, you know, we're just like observing and gathering information but they started to like do a little bit of intervening and like right. they were altering. Yeah. And that's like the big red flag. And I think they realized yeah. those consequences just like just right when they would jump back, they'd be like, oh, fuck. Yeah, because you'd come back and your kids would be gone. Yeah. Because you did one thing and that butterfly effect is mm-hmm. so whack. It makes you not even be real. Yeah. Like if I went back in time and did one thing, like if I helped my mom do, fix one thing in her life that she looks back on and she regrets, I literally would not be alive. Yeah. You know? Crazy. Whack. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Morgan, how well do you take care of Ollie? Um, Like a king, like the monkey king that Ollie is. And Morgan, don't you give Ollie the best of the best nutrition, food, play toys, anything he wants? Absolutely. Are you kidding? Ollie eats all natural, fresh food. His toy basket is replenished weekly. He takes his vitamins as a bedtime treaty every single night. He gets royal treatment. Right. You treat Ollie like the king that he is. But do you treat your brain and your food and your body the same way that you treat his? Absolutely not. And we see that often with how people take better care of everybody else around them, their significant others, their children, their pets, and they're often leaving themselves in the dark. And we're not taking care of our own bodies and our brain and our mind. Right. And how we care for our minds, our brains, our bodies affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain. You could learn a new language or take power naps, but there's also better help online therapy and you guys already know my experience with better help online therapy was top tier and helped me through a very difficult time in my life better help is online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat online therapy sessions so you don't really have to see anybody on camera if you don't want to and it's much more affordable than in-person therapy not to mention how fast it is like i got matched with the therapist in under 48 hours our listeners get 10 percent off their first month at betterhelp.com slash creeps and crimes that's better h-e-l-p dot com slash creeps and crimes 
So anyway, yeah, their main objective was to observe, gather information. They were never to interact or intervene Mm -hmm. except when it was attempts to change the future. And they were sent on missions of visiting the past and future presidents. And this is when something called chronogarchy comes into play. Chronogarchy is the neologism that signifies those who rule through time or the manipulation of it. And this is insane. According to Basiago, the United States presidents, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and Joseph Biden were pre-identified by the U.S. government using Project Pegasus as future United States presidents in 1971. They were groomed for their future positions by DARPA and the CIA through secret meetings as kids they were like groomed chrysler this is wrong yeah so this is like anytime these kids were sent out they you know they weren't supposed to intervene they weren't supposed to do anything but except for when it came to the future of the united states that's when they started to intervene right so they would go jump in time they would see that donald trump became president in 2016 and they would go back and they would start grooming him to be president. Basiago states that he personally witnessed a number of these time travel briefings and grooming sessions of U.S. presidents by the DARPA and CIA personnel. That is just fucking crazy. That is fucking crazy. But he doesn't talk did, much about that. Did he like talk about any more that are supposed to be in the future other than him? No, just him. Maybe he goes after Biden. Maybe he it's him and then we don't have another president again. Right. Damn. Damn. But... Basiago not only would jump from place to place on Earth and back and forth from time, but also to different planets. And he made a huge claim that Barack Obama was a part of this with him. While the White House denied these claims when he was in office, Basiago and another man named William Stillings, who was also part of Project Pegasus, say differently. Basiago and Stillings claim that Obama, along with the current head of DARPA, Regina Dugan, were in their Mars training class at California's College of the Siskiyous in 1980. This program was part of a group of 10 young adults who were chosen to travel to Mars via top-secret teleportation jump room. The then 19-year-old Barack Obama went by the name Barry Sotero. Damn. The chrononauts made it to the red planet through a jump room that instantly transported them to the Martian surface where the United States had already established secret government bases. Stillings and Basiago said that they met Obama there on two different occasions, including one time when Basiago and Obama went through the jump room together. They also said that Obama's mother, Ann Dunham, was there too. She was an experienced CIA agent who had previously carried out assignments in Kenya and Indonesia. What? Basiago and Stillings say the purpose of the Mars program was to establish a, quote, defense regime protecting the Earth from threats from space with the United States asserting territorial sovereignty over the planet. Oh, my God. Basiago describes life on Mars during a PowerPoint presentation in 2012 where he talks about walking lizards on the surface of Mars, a.k.a. reptilians. Oh, my God. He said each time he was sent there, he and everyone else would experience severe dehydration during the teleportation, and it was unlike going back and forth in time on Earth. They spent days there speaking to the extremely intelligent beings they met on their visits. And he says that participants were transported to the Martian surface via the jump room, which was located in the town of El Segundo in California. Mm. This served as a portal between planet Earth and the United States base on Mars. 
He claims that he and his fellow Martian explorers had to go through training courses aimed at teaching the participants what to expect when they got to Martian surface, for example, predatory species, Martian humanoids, etc. Because there was more than one alien species on Mars. Holy shit. These training courses were held by Major Ed Dames. Major Dames is a decorated military intelligence officer and he retired in 1991. Major Dames was serving as a scientific and technical intelligence officer for the United States Army at the time and he was alleged to have been at the forefront of these missions to Mars and he was also the creator of technical remote viewing. So remote viewing is defined as the practice of seeking impressions about a distant or unseen target using subjective means so like esp which is extra sensory perception aka 11 aka, AKA stranger literally things. 11 regrettably in recent times major dames has sought to distance himself from the claims made by andrew basiago and he has actually came forward and personally denied any involvement with this young teenage martian program who got to him yeah yeah basiago and stillings claims have been corroborated by three other mars whistleblowers including laura magdalene eisenhower the great granddaughter of president dwight d eisenhower which she pops up in just about every single conspiracy theory wasn't she in thor she is she's in every yeah she was in valiant thor yeah she is in everything so i think our girl got a hold of some like crazy ass journal from her great pap she did or she's just like a clout chaser one of the two like I think she I think she does like I think she has like the secret presidential book she has to like a copy of and, it like and he left her the in. fact that like Eisenhower has so has so much involvement in the majority of these like literally what you were talking in the very very beginning you said Eisenhower's name like four times yeah like it's insane the shit that is involved yeah and her name always any any type of government conspiracy that's where Andrew Wasiago's um, dad went to college was somewhere in Eisenhower yeah any any worked worked for the, the laboratory yeah any type of like government whistleblower that exposes some type of like project like this mm-hmm. this girl what's her name again laura. laura eisenhower she's there to back it up she's number one she's first on the she's scene. like no they're telling the truth yeah you guys need to listen to that maybe like, how is she like alive like should we call her that's what i'm saying like we should literally call her like what book do you have yeah what Please. do you have that has all the proof because you can't be at all these places no you can't be there she has to have some law and to be the great granddaughter like mm-hmm. you're very distanced from it all like right you weren't even alive when thor was here yeah and also this is just a side note here but the first that we have that we heard about possible liquid water on mars was when obama was in office so yeah the white house denied these claims of him ever being a part of this group but could we say that maybe he was like eager to acclimating us to the idea that martian life exists like he was already out there you know doing his martian things he was hanging out with the lizard people maybe he was just trying to get the world ready to take part in his interstellar community well not even to mention the fact that there's literally that video of him with will smith and his family like will smith's family all of them and they're with um obama and obama is like uh what what's the son's name Jaden. yeah Jaden's like dad can i please ask him can i please ask him and will smith's like no 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 and then obama's like what do you want to ask me and he's like are aliens real and he took him into this room and they like never spoke about it again it's fucking crazy and he was like i can't say that they're not real yeah and they like showed him videos and shit like i want to be that obama famous. actually has a lot of conspiracies going back from like where he originated from. yeah like, I mean, that his was a early big thing. life like yeah 
He that was a huge lot thing going on. So I mentioned um, William Stillings a little bit, you know, just mm-hmm. then. Like he was the one that was corroborating Andrew Basiago about this Mars project. So a little bit about him. Mr. Stillings is the son of a Navy lieutenant. He backs up Basiago's claim to the jump room technology often. He's kind of the voice of this jump room, actually. Andrew Basiago sticks to Project Pegasus. This jump room is separate from mm-hmm. Project Pegasus. And he talks a lot about the use of the technology to travel to the secret U.S. United States base on Mars, a.k.a. the jump room. Um, he claims to have been on the same training course as this young woman named Regina Dugan. And Miss Dugan is the 19th director of DARPA as of July 2009. And this is another fun fucking fact. Regina Dugan was appointed head of DARPA by... Barry Sotoro, a.k.a. Obama, when he was in office. Oh, my fuck. So these two crossed paths. They were both in the program. Right. These So William Stillings and Andrew Basiago are saying they were in this program with Regina Dugan and Barack Obama. Right. Regina and Obama are denying these claims. But then Obama is now. Appoints her. Appoints her to be the head of DARPA. Wow. They had a connection somewhere. They crossed paths somewhere. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I know this is a completely different side note, but since we're talking about like presidents and shit, um, I was at a bridal shower yesterday for one of my okay. really good friends. And um, was Andrew there? <laughs> no, um, but I, I got to talking about um, with my old cheer coach about Ivana. Ivana, is that her name? Trump, who just recently died. Ivanka. Ivanka. Thank you. I can't think of her name. She died. The the mom of oh so is that Ivana and there's Ivanka Ivanka's the daughter yeah okay so the mom so his like one of his wives okay not anymore she died and it was like released like very quickly yeah I didn't even know and then ripped out of the media and they literally just like quickly buried her and like no one else said a peep I had no idea until just now yeah. And people, like a lot of conspiracy theorists, um, which this is what Melissa was telling me about. I was like, what the fuck? She's like, you have to look it up on Reddit. The shit that they're talking about is stuff that was like things that he was involved in before that have more to do with his presidency than even his current wife when he was president. Yeah. Um, like there was a lot more yeah, because that all these presidents it. are groomed since the 70s that they're going to be the president so now now like i under like when you've been talking about this the whole time i'm literally shitting my pants i'm like fuck was she a part of the grooming yeah and that's why they just like quickly buried her moved on and people are saying that they want to go dig up her grave because they think they buried her with something probably yeah like documentations of some shit holy shit balls yeah we need to look into that okay so i'm wrapping up here um, Andrew's goals. Why is he whistleblowing? What does he want out of this? Andrew wants to lobby the United States government to disclose its teleportation secret. So that teleportation can be adopted on a global basis to help humanity achieve sustainability on the 21st century. He wants to turn us or aid us into what he saw in that year of 2045. He envis- envisions a world in which teleports will replace airports for real-time transits between major transport hubs around the world. This would mean billions of tons of pollutants would no longer have to enter the atmosphere. If teleportation technology was made public, it would revolutionize transportation across really the face would. of our planet. Andrew feels that there is a great potential to the use th- this technology to really address our global environmental problems and create a 21st century far different and more advanced than the 20th century that we just left. And he believes that it is time to expose 
the government. This is just some small insight into the possible world of time travel, teleportation, and interplanetary travel. Beginning with ancient civilization knowledge, combining with Tesla and ending with lizard people and Obama. Like, holy shit, what a fucking segment. Honestly, a lot of this information, guys, was really, really difficult to find. It involved a ton of PowerPoint YouTube presentations. Like, I'm talking, think of your slowest talking professor in college. No. And watch their YouTube videos of a PowerPoint without, like, with, like, just pictures on it. That's awful. Um, And it was, these were presented by Andrew Basiago himself. So it was really cool to hear him talk and to hear his experiences. But they were literally, like, four hours long. And then he'd be like, okay, and we'll see you guys tomorrow for part two. And I'm like, is that what they feel like when they listen to us? Like, I'm like, oh, no shot. Um, But anyway, it was really hard to put all this together into one segment. It was like he would really ramble jamble. So I really tried to organize it the best way that I could. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I did it justice. Um, DARPA, babe, if you could just let us teleport, like I beg of you. Do you mind just so we can see like what we need to be prepared for? And I also just wanted to slightly mention that's all I have. But I just wanted to talk about it. I don't know if you guys remember and I don't necessarily remember which Marvel movie it was, but there was something called Project Pegasus, and it was like P whatever. Very interesting. I can't remember which one it is either, but I remember talking. And it might have been a show. It might have been one of their series. Was that what it was? I think that's maybe what it was. Yeah. Jesus Christ, this one is so crazy because it involves so many things, and it really reminds me of that whole Mars ordeal, like out of California. Really tied the knot in for me with the 20 and back program yes like it was a lot of the same ordeal like yes. although they weren't necessarily teleporting to the 20 and back like when they were going to like literally be inter interplanetary slaves to right. other planets like i forget that guy's name off i can't remember off the top of my head but um that's fucking crazy also you should crazy. listen to that episode Damn. but like that was based out of the seattle california area mm-hmm. and those were also trafficked children mm-hmm. and they were sending them and they were gone for 20 years off of our time, so it was involving time travel. So it probably was intertwined with Project oh, Pegasus. Absolutely. They were gone 20 years, their time, but would come back into that childhood body like they were gone for a blink of an eye, like and one that, night's sleep. That's traumatizing. After they had just been a slave for 20 years, working, a hardworking labor slave. That's wild. Creating relationships, creating families to be woken back up in an eight-year-old body back in your hometown of Arkansas. Like, And you're like... I literally have an entire family. Yeah. And your dad's like looking at you like you're fucking crazy. Right. It was a dream, buddy. And you're like, no, it wasn't. And I'll prove you wrong. And there's like a million other people that came forward with that same fucking thing. Guys, thank you so much, Morgan. I have Uh, been been waiting for this for years. I've been waiting for this for literally two years. (laughs) Like this is my favorite one that you've ever done because it's just so fucking crazy and it involves like names and instances that we all believe like we all know we all like are very much aware yeah, of. I have to do the Montauk project soon you do maybe you should do that like I have to do it soon but it's gonna be one that needs some time it's too. gonna need time that's what I was just thinking I was like you can do it from one-on-one we don't have the time we to record that in three days yeah. yeah maybe um you do that with uh the first episode of season three yeah maybe. because I'm gonna do a long case for that one too yeah so that, that would be a, be a good, good episode yeah damn guys yeah it's are all you okay no like, i like i'm just like letting it settle in. i'm like that is so fucked up like i'm just like 
fuck. And like none yeah. of those children, like even like Andrew, like his father was like, we're jumping through this hole. Like he says, like in all of his like PowerPoint presentations, he's like, I that was unwilling. Like I I didn't give. You didn't. You don't I didn't know. consent to any of this. Like I was literally a work. I worked my entire childhood. No right. one believes me. I wasn't compensated. Look at me. I'm yeah. dubbed off as a crazy conspiracy. He's theorist. straight up a l- lawyer. He's a law. Yeah, a lawyer. He's literally ran for presidency. Dude, I want. I am so curious to see if he becomes a president. I know. Like that. But he's just like. Um, it's like if me or you were to run for president, they would literally just pull these. <laughs> pull these tapes and be like you're not fit to be president yeah. you literally cannot pronounce mogul like yeah. you cannot be a president you literally cannot pronounce chrononaut no but i'm <laughs> i'm so I'm how can you so, be a chrononaut if you can't even pronounce it i'm so interested for the 2040 whatever 2045 2045 because really what we what, what we need to be looking out of to see like if we can get there is how uh, transportation evolves yeah because right now it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere and so that's what makes me wonder if there's something that got messed up in the timeline that stopped our evolution and our like innovative growth for sure because there has to be something and in my mind it would have to be covid you know like well i think thinking about I all think the things that, that were set timeline back. like i think that is what caused covid and i yeah. think that did pause us like i think we are to like this point of where we are put out at a pause. Yeah. Like for now. Like every human being feels like so trapped. Like mm-hmm. there's after But COVID. it's also, I also feel like COVID caused this like physical stop, mm-hmm. but it really opened people up spiritually. It did. And TikTok did that too. Yeah. And TikTok happened to be like booming. Right when COVID happened. Like right. everyone was all about like. Like could you imagine eye, if we didn't have like, fucking COVID? Meditations. Like yeah. becoming one with the cosmos. Like everybody was about your spiritual like journey when COVID happened. And I think that that advancement for society is way, a way more gain than anything technologically yes. could be. Right. Because once you're one with your creator once right. you're one with spiritually with their energy with the cosmos right like that's top dog that's right. more advancement than any iphone 25 but XLMP you think about can give you we continue to evolve but like in a box and yeah. for me like there was a straight up shift in like reality that i felt yeah like when i think back about those days like in quarantine and lockdown I can't even like verbal like I can't even put into words like what I felt mentally, physically, emotionally. Like it was just like a blur. It's it, I, felt I don't like, even remember COVID. Like I don't know no. what I was doing. Like and also I was wondering if maybe they did fuck us up so bad that they used COVID as a way to lock us all in, reset the timeline, fix whatever they fucked up. Right. Like I don't it's know. Crazy. Like what were they doing? We were all locked inside. Like for the first time in years, like the busiest interstates, the busiest highways. There's no one. Oh, my God. They it were doing time travel. They were time. testing fucking time travel. They were testing something. They were doing something to the point where none of us could be outside. Yeah. And it would have had to they happen down with our one business, of their groups. biggest cities. Los yeah. Angeles. New York. Everything was on You couldn't lockdown. fly. Yeah. You could not fly. Yeah. And then when you think about this, this, he's telling us about, like, I feel like if we're getting to the point where it's like, you know, what, 20 years away from now that we're going to be expected to not be in cars and shit. Like, we need to start heading that direction. Like, we need to go. That doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. 
But then you have people like, I'm not buying Elon Musk Tesla. Why would I do that? I want my big Ford I need pickup my big truck. old Ford pickup, my F-150. How am I supposed to be My mo- diesel guzzler. How the hell am I supposed to be moving all this lumber around? Like, I do get it. Like, I, I get yeah, that, I get like, it. trucks are a very important part of no, society I, right now. I never understood the value of a truck until Logan got a truck. Yeah. I was like, this shit is amazing. This shit nice. Yeah. You can pull shit all the way around this motherfucker with it. Yeah. You want me to move your mattress? Absolutely. But, like, I'll if be you there. can create an electronic car. I mean, Ford already has put out an electronic truck. Yeah. Like, there is a way to go. Like, but I don't even think it's, like, going electric with individual, like, vehicles. I think it's literally going to turn into... We don't need all of this scrap and metal and software, hardware pieces sitting around yeah. doing this. But may- maybe COVID did happen in this original timeline. Maybe it wasn't a fuck up. Maybe that's what made us realize, like, we do not have enough labor to create all of these things. Yeah. Even though we're overpopulated, we don't have enough labor because people are being social media influencers. People are podcasting. People are fucking podcasting like, out here. Fuck Wait, why are they not out here working? What Surround are they yourself doing? with people that want to work. Yeah. Seems like nobody wants to work these days. Fuck. Okay. Jesus. What do you have for us today, Taylor? So I know I told you guys that I was going to do Casey Anthony because it was one of our. But you fucking lied to us. I lied to you. It's just rude. But it's only because that. Yes, that is one of our high, 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 most highly requested. <laughs> hello. <laughs> highly requested cases. Yes, it is. But recently you guys have been more and more requesting the murdoch murders and so i thought i would just give it to you right now. yeah just give it to us because like it's topical it's in the news people and I, at work i it's the people at work obviously um but they're i'm gonna do casey and kaylee anthony here soon it's just i'm i'm doing this one first anyways so before we get into this the murdoch which is how it is spelled case is actually pronounced Murdoch that I learned Murdoch Murdoch and I want to start us because I feel like everyone knows like is familiar with this case like has seen it because it's been all over everything but if you're anything like me yes I knew like the basics of it I just never knew like the crazy amount of information and people and timelines that are involved in this case and how fucking crazy it is I can't wait so, I don't know anything about this case. Oh, good. I'm glad because you're going to be. I'm coming in blind. You're going to shit the bed when I tell you this shit. I hope I don't. You're going to. <laughs> you're going to ruin the table. I mean, the table, the chair. I'm you're going to ruin the chair. Literally ruin the chair. I'm going to shit on this chair. Okay. Perfect. So let's start with the family tree. I'm called for <laughs> Randolph Murdoch Sr. was born in Hampton County, South Carolina on February 28, 1887 to Josiah Putnam Murdoch Jr. and Annie Marvin Davis Murdoch. Randolph Murdoch Sr. was the youngest of six children. He had four brothers and one sister who was the oldest of the six. And all their names and birth orders are Hattie Murdoch, Herschel Victor Murdoch Sr., Josiah Putnam Murdoch III, Paul Tillam Murdoch, then Mortimer, Mortimer, Mortimer? Mortimer? Yes, Murdoch, and then there's Randolph Murdoch Sr., Randolph Murdoch Sr. went to law school at the University of South Carolina and graduated in 1910. Upon graduating, Randolph Sr. founded a law firm on his own and was extremely well-known and liked in the community. And now very, very wealthy, as his law firm would later become known as PMPED Law Firm, which I'll give you what those stand for later. That's a mouthful. It seems like pumped, like PMP. 
Pump. Pumped. And then E.D. Pumped. Pumped. Pumped law firm. Um, okay. During this time, he married Etta Causey Harvey, and together they had two sons. The first one was Randolph, who they called Buster Murdoch Jr., on January 9th, 1915, and then John Glenn Murdoch on August 29th, 1918. But 18 days after giving birth to John Glenn, Etta died of sepsis due to complications during childbirth. Randolph Sr. then remarried two other times but had no more children. In 1920, he became solicitor in the 14th Judicial Circuit of South Carolina. And in South Carolina, a solicitor is basically a district attorney. It's literally the same thing, just a different name for it. Okay. Randolph Sr. held this position all the while running his own newspaper, owning his law firm. The newspaper was called the Hampton County Herald until his death in 1940 when he was hit by a fucking train. Holy shit. Driving home one night at 1 a.m. Like in his car? Yeah. He was hit by a train at 1 a.m. Like just like stopped on the tracks. Yeah, I guess. Or maybe he was like drunk driving and like didn't see it or something. Because like what else are you doing at 1 a.m.? Right. You know? Holy shit. Yeah. But for the purpose of this case, we're going to be focusing on Randolph Sr.'s first son, Randolph Buster Murdoch Jr. Buster, as I stated before, what'd you say? Buster. Buster, yeah. And that name is in here a lot. That's what they call the juniors. This reminds me of that one show and I don't freaking remember what it's called. What show? What's it about? I know. Can I get it? Can I get back to you? Yeah, get it back to okay. me. Okay, so Buster, as I stated, was born on January 9th, 1915. He followed in his father's footsteps and attended law school and became a lawyer for his father's firm. In June of 1937, at 22 years old, Buster married his uh, wife named Gladys Willis Marvin, and together they had one son named Randolph Murdoch III in October of 1939, and one daughter, Brenda, who there is very little information on. I, when I say very little information, I'm talking I went through archives through Ancestry and I could not find her other than mentioned in his obituary. Upon Buster's father's death, Randolph Sr., in 1940, Buster took over as the 14th Circuit Solicitor as he had been the assistant solicitor to his father for all those years. Buster was known for his closing arguments in death penalty cases that were rebuked by the state Supreme Court, but also for his presence in court. He would actively chew tobacco through every trial and Ew. act out the murders in front of juries. With with a big dip in his lip? Yeah. I'm like, first off, I wouldn't be able to pay attention. No, I'm sorry. So you want to be taken seriously, <laughs> but you got a big, big, big dip in your mouth. Big dip in your lip and you're reenacting right. murders. Like, I just don't, I, I wouldn't Buster, be able to pay attention to that. Babe. In 1956, Buster was indicted by a federal grand jury for allegedly warning a bootlegger to move its steel into a neighboring county to avoid police and prosecution. Uh, well, fair. Which he was later acquitted of. In 1986, Buster retired and later died in 1998 at the age of 83, just one year after the death of his wife, Gladys, who died in 97. Upon Buster's retirement, his son Son, Randolph Murdoch III, or Randy, who was serving as the assistant solicitor, took over for his father. So now this is three or four generations of the Murdoch boys as the solicitor for this 14th circuit. 
Randy married his wife, Elizabeth or Libby Alexander, in 1961 after graduating from undergrad at the University of South Carolina. In January of 1964, Randy graduated from USC Law School and he joined his family's law firm just like those before him and began serving as assistant solicitor to his father, Buster. Randy and Libby had four children together, Lynn Randolph IV, Richard Alexander Murdoch, and John Marvin Murdoch. Randy served as solicitor after his father's death until 2006 when he retired and returned to the family's law firm with his two sons, Randolph IV and Richard Alexander. Also from 1995 to 1996, Randy was elected president of the South Carolina's Solicitor Association. But after Randy's retirement, the Murdoch's 86-year reign over the 14th Circuit as solicitor was over. Wow. However, his son, Richard Alexander Murdoch. This family was running the fucking court. Running the fucking, they were running this area, like straight up. I mean, money, I would be afraid of them. You should be. But his son, Richard Alexander Murdoch, who goes by Alec, even though it's spelled Alex, he goes by Alec. Oh, okay, thank you for that. <laughs> yes, continued volunteering part-time for the solicitor's office. And this is very important because he is who our entire story surrounds. Alec, Alec Murdoch. Alec Murdoch was born in 1967. And according to the Vox article I was reading about him, he was the golden child of his family. Ooh. And just like those before him, he went to the University of South Carolina for undergrad and for law school, graduating in 1990 from undergrad and 1994 from law. Knowing what we know about donors and universities, I can only only imagine what the Murdoch family has on the Well, they all walked on or played there. All of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, they played for the football team there. While in undergrad, Alec met Margaret, who goes by Maggie Brandstetter, and the two got married in 1993. Maggie was born on September 15th, 1968, in Nashville, Tennessee, to Terry and Kennedy Brandstetter. Her parents were high school sweethearts from Horse Cave, Kentucky, and after college, her father, Terry, was offered a job in Nashville with DuPont. That's where the couple had Maggie. When Maggie was young, Terry was transferred to Wilmington, North Carolina, and in 1980, he was transferred once again to Unionville, Pennsylvania until 1987. Unionville? Yeah, where's that at? Uniontown? I only know Uniontown. No, this is Unionville. Mm, Um, Probably close. Maggie attended Unionville High School and ran track until her father was transferred once again, but this time to Cooper River, South Carolina. And once Maggie had graduated from high school, she enrolled in the University of South Carolina and joined the Kappa Delta sorority. While an undergrad, Katie Katie girls, Maggie was introduced to Alec, who was a walk-on football player for the Gamecocks and a year ahead of her. The two quickly fell in love with each other and it all got serious. Alec was Maggie's first real boyfriend and marrying him came with rules the one main one was that she would have to move with him to hampton south carolina which didn't even have a fucking walmart maggie was really close to her parents and this was really that would hard for not her. fly with us. no i'm <laughs> where, where do i put my water my water where's the hot works where's the nectar where's the starbucks i need a drive-through smoothie bowl <laughs> i need a sushi spot and I'm going to need a fresh market or I'm not going. <laughs> Where's the Nama? Right. Where's the Nama? I'm not coming. So Maggie was really close with her parents. So this is going to be super hard for her. Not to mention the fact that the life as a Murdoch was old ass money. Yeah. Generational wealth. 
nice fucking china that you just don't go to home goods and get something to replace because everything's given to you from like the people before you and a massive role in the community and this had like nothing to do with maggie's personality she was like a former athlete super down to earth she was super outspoken and fun she had a really great dry sense of humor and just didn't give a fuck about how she dressed or looked or her hair like was nice and put together she didn't give a fuck she loved to drop a great f-bomb is what one of her really good friends says and um she would let you know how she felt about you good or bad you know i love her Mm -hmm. but i also think that you would absolutely flourish in a family like that I've always thought I would, but then at the same time, I'm like, I literally can't be bothered to be out of my pajamas for a fucking recording. I know, but like, <laughs> if you were like, had to adapt, like, you would be the person that I would, that I would choose. Like, if I had to pick one of my friends right yeah. now that had to, it was life or death. Like, they, you, you have, have to, to pick, go. You have to pick one of your friends or they all die. <laughs> I would pick you to conform to that lifestyle and you would flourish in it. I probably would. Yeah. I'd be like, let me go get the Christmas china out. Yeah, you would vibe. <laughs> I would. Be I would iconic. love it. Chaotic, I would actually, but iconic. It would be chaotic, but very iconic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Maggie loved Alec. So she put all that aside and they got married. They had two sons, which was Maggie's ultimate dream. She wanted to be a mother. And she was a fucking super mom. She never missed a PTO meeting. She was a room mom for every room. She was at every single sports event and moment. She did not miss a single thing. According to friends that were interviewed by the New York Post of Maggie's, she bent over backwards for her children almost to a fault. The couple's children are Richard Alexander Murdoch Jr., who they call Buster. So this is Buster II. Okay. And he was born in 1996. And then we have their second son, Paul Terry Murdoch, who was born in 1999. Alec joined his family's law firm, PMPD, after graduating from law school, which he specialized, I'm sorry, this entire firm specializes in personal injury litigation. Very crucial to this. Before we move on, let's talk about Low Country, which is Hampton, South Carolina, the 14th district where they rule at, okay? It's referred to as Low Country, and it's a geographic and cultural region of South Carolina along the coast, including the sea islands salt marshes and coastal waterways covering Beaufort County Colton County Hampton County and Jasper County which makes up the entire 14th circuit in addition to Allendale County the low country was built on slave-based agriculture but is now heavily populated by african-american communities including the gula geechee people and the preservation of their history with africanism culture and language which is basically similar to an english-based creole language okay they use many caribbean african loanwords and grammar but these communities are constantly under attack because of the tourism environmental racism and gentrification of the low country and it mainly has to do with this 14th circuit not caring about their culture in this area for sure yeah. right i can already picture it it's because they own a lot of it like literally the murdochs own like half of the town right the area that they live so let's talk about the properties that just alex family like him and maggie and their two sons own a river property that they called murdoch island a beach house in Adesto island the Moselle property and the Moselle property contains 11 parcels of land that equal out to 1,772.2 acres between two different counties 
And it has a family home, a hunting lodge, and a kennel. And they basically used all this land for hunting. And they would go to like bear camps and shit out there. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. Yeah. The Murdochs also owned a few private coastal islands. And in addition to this, they owned tons of properties that connected to these islands. According to many articles, the family lived at each of these properties depending on the seasons throughout the year. I just don't believe that. I tell you all of this, the long family tree, the history, the area, the wealth, the legacy, the culture, so that you can fully understand this family's reach, their reign, their impact, and their privilege. But mainly, I want you to understand their control. Which is terrifying. I just don't understand how they got this from their fucking law office. Because it was the solicitor. It was an 1887 solicitor position. Yeah. Wow. This family's dark history and hidden past reaches far, far back in history and time than 2019. But that is when bits and pieces were made public through a great tragedy. And that is where I want to start. February 23rd, 2019, Alec and Maggie's youngest son, 19-year-old Paul Terry Murdoch, was known for his excessive drinking and partying, so much so that friends and family would call his drunk alter ego, Timmy. This Saturday, Paul invited five of his friends to go out to the Murdoch Island River House to spend the night and attend a house party slash oyster roast at Palkey Island um, later that evening at one of their friends' house. So this is who was invited over. Paul's girlfriend, whose name's Morgan Dowdy, Anthony Cook, and his girlfriend, Mallory Beach, Anthony's cousin, Connor Cook, and his girlfriend, Miley Altman. Before heading out to Murdoch Island, Paul and the friends stopped at this gas station where Paul went inside and purchased a six-pack of McUltra Limes, a pack of Natty Lights, and a pack of White Claws for the group, using his older brother Buster's ID to purchase. Like everyone in the town didn't know who they were anyway. In the parking lot, the friends waited in the truck until Paul came outside holding the alcohol above his head and like celebrating. And he jumps into the back of the fa- his father's boat, which he was pulling with his F-150, and he loaded the cooler. At approximately 6.30 p.m., the group got to the river house, put the boat in, loaded on, and left the boat dock at 7 p.m. in the boat. Paul was driving the boat to the house party with all friends on board. The six friends stayed at the party until midnight. They then all loaded back onto the boat and began heading back to the Murdoch's River House. But Paul then decided that he would rather drive the boat to the downtown bar area in Buford and keep the party going. Meanwhile, they're all 19, so like, they have to have their fakes. Right. So they arrive at this bar via boat at 12.45 a.m. and ordered two rounds of shots. At 1 a.m., the group began walking back to the dock and loaded on the boat once again. Everyone seems to be very intoxicated, but for Paul, as seen on the CCTV footage, he was extremely drunk, like kind of falling all over the place. Like you can see he's like kind of lingering by himself, like being rude. They don't want to have anything to do with him. And that means like his alter ego, Timmy, is coming out. At 1.15 a.m., Morgan, Connor, and Miley are the first to load onto the boat, followed by Paul, who was a few steps behind. And then Mallory and Anthony were further behind because they were like hugging on each other and teasing each other as they were walking onto the dock. After this, they got on the boat and they drove off. It was clear that Paul was really too drunk to be driving. And he began driving the boat in circles, whipping it violently, turning it at high speeds like just being reckless and it begins to scare the entire group so Anthony asked Paul to drop them off at this dock that they were coming up on because but Paul said no 
I would jump out. He dead ass didn't even slow down. He sped up. That's fucking terrifying. He would leave the wheel unattended while flying at high speeds to fight with his girlfriend Morgan, who was screaming at him to stop the boat because Mallory and Miley were screaming and crying and very scared. Paul allegedly sped bit on his girlfriend Morgan before returning to the wheel which was typical for drunk Paul aka Timmy he then repeatedly left the wheel unattended to scream and fight at Morgan but anytime Connor or Anthony would try to take over driving Paul would become extremely upset with them screaming and shoving them saying quote this is my boat nobody can touch the wheel other than me I'm the only one allowed to drive this boat all the I would while be like sit your motherfucking ass down boy I literally would have just choked him out yeah yeah at this point connor miley anthony mallory and morgan are staying silent just holding on to each other gripping down on the boat hoping that paul would just get them the fuck home and stop flying like it seemed like every time someone would fight with him he would just start driving more and more erratically so they just were like we're gonna have to stop to get him to take us home and because of the darkness connor had to use a flashlight to help guide paul out of the waterways and away from any accidents At 2.20 a.m., Paul drove the boat at 35 miles per hour into a pillar of the Arches Creek Bridge, ejecting some of the passengers out of the boat and into the water. Paul, Morgan, Anthony, Miley, and Connor were able to get back onto the boat and assess their injuries when they realized that Mallory was not with them. Connor immediately called 911 as Anthony used a flashlight to jump into the water, look from the boat for his girlfriend, who was moments before sitting on his lap, but she was nowhere to be found. Buford County Deputy Sheriff Stephen Donimo, who was one of the very first responders to arrive at the scene, found Anthony pacing and crying, screaming for Mallory. Domino was able to get Anthony into his patrol car, calm him down, and ask him some questions. But moments later, Paul Murdoch was seen emerging from the boat in the river, smiling. Anthony jumped up and tried to rush Paul, screaming and filled with anger when Domino had to stop him. Anthony, Connor, and Miley told officers everything that happened that night, but followed it by saying, do you know the Murdochs? The officers responded, yes, I know of them. To which one of the three says, well, his granddaddy's Randy and his dad is Alec, so don't even bother with him. It's just going to be trouble. Basically validating the fact that even if Mallory's dead or severely injured, nothing is going to happen. Come come out of this. Yeah, right. He'll be fine. That is so, oh, what a sick, twisted. It's awful. Oh, my God. All except for Anthony were taken to the hospital because Anthony wanted to keep searching for his girlfriend, Mallory. Connor's jaw was broken. Morgan's hand was badly injured and Miley had smaller injuries, but not as severe. On the scene, Paul was never giving a field sobriety test. It wasn't until hours later at the hospital that after hours of being uncooperative, his blood was officially drawn and his BAC hours later was 0.286. Whoa. Three times the legal limit. Alec Murdoch arrived at the hospital going room to room telling the survivors not to speak with police that he would take care of them. After the fact, a security guard at the hospital overheard a phone call where Alec said, quote, don't worry, she's gone. Investigators and teams of volunteers used divers, rescue boats, and helicopters to search for 19-year-old Mallory Beach until March 3rd, eight days after the crash, when two volunteers discovered her body five miles down the river from the crash site. Paul told officers that Connor was driving, not him. Wow. He was never arrested. He was never recorded. He was not even handcuffed 
at the scene or the hospital. Mallory's family then filed a wrongful death suit against the Murdochs and the survivors came forward claiming that they had been threatened by Alec Murdoch while in the hospital when he was going room to room to keep silent. On April 18th, 2019, which would have been Mallory's 20th birthday, Paul Terry Murdoch was indicted and charged with three felony counts of boating under the influence, the death of Mallory Beach, and serious injuries sustained by Morgan and Connor, to which he pled not guilty and was released on a $50,000 bond. That's literally chump change to them. Yep. Mallory's family then sued the entire, when I say like the entire, I'm talking like aunts, uncles, mamas, cousins, grandpas, everybody, the entire Murdoch family for her wrongful death, alleging that Alec Murdoch, his sons, both Paul and Buster, and Alec's brother, Randolph IV, had each conspired to cover up Mallory's cause of death. The trial of Paul Murdoch was then delayed until the summer of 2021 due to the family's power, but more specifically, was caused by Alec Murdoch withholding his financial information, which Alec would not hand over until Maggie would make arrangements for a forensic accountant to review the entirety of their family finances. What the fuck? I don't know. And What does that even mean? Like someone to go in and basically say like, you need to clean this up like you're doing something illegal holy shit and up until the trial three different law officials had recused themselves from the trial because of their ties to the murdoch family paul's trial led to an unraveling of the murdoch family fortune and in 2020 maggie moved from the family's like home in the moselle property to the family's beach house away from her husband and was allegedly consulting with many divorce attorneys good for her paul was out on bond living with his father at the moselle property awaiting for his trial which was set to begin on june 10th 2021 look i know that we're in our pajamas right now but for the last two weeks taylor and i legit have not gotten out of our clothes from kaylee's boutique 100 percent. so cute so fresh so clean snatched y'all and we are absolutely freaking obsessed at kaylee's boutique a owned and ran by woman boutique we love that you are bound to find that perfect new piece to amp up any season's wardrobe not only do they carry the latest in stylish fashions from dresses to tees to high-rise jeans but if there is anything ever wrong with your order just send them an email and a real person will take care of you in freaking minutes and we're not even joking they understand that women appreciate a good oversized tee and biker shorts so they carry a vast selection of loungewear and athleisure but they also understand sometimes we want to look cute feel cute be cute so they have plenty of options for that as well and now we do too because our closets are packed Check them out at kaleesboutique.com and use code creeps and crimes to save 15% off your entire purchase. That's C-A-E-L-I-S boutique.com and use code creeps and crimes to save 15% off of your entire purchase. On June 7th, 2021, just days before, at 10.07 p.m., Dispatch receives a frantic call from Alec Murdoch. And here it is. Now, 
Okay, you said 40 on 47 Mozart Road in Allison. Sir? You said 41 47 Moselle Road in Allison? Yes, sir. son had been shot and killed on their own property their hunting property oh my god 52 year old maggie murdoch and 22 year old paul terry murdoch were found dead on the family's moselle hunting property by the dog kennels in islandton south carolina both maggie and paul had been shot multiple times but with two different weapons maggie had been killed with an assault style rifle and paul had been killed with a shotgun it was later determined that the two had been killed between 9 and 9 30 p.m that evening so just 30 minutes before the phone call at the time of their murders alec the father who was on the phone call was with his father randy randolph iii who was terminally ill and his mother who had dementia the next morning the murders of Maggie and Paul were national news. And SLED, or the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, basically South Carolina's Bureau of Investigation. Like their FBI. Yeah, was investigating and taking over the entire case. Many guns were seized from the family's hunting lodge, and one that was taken was a perfect match for one of the two weapons used in the murders. And just one Day after this double homicide, SLED releases a statement to the public saying that the public is under no risk at all and that they were not looking for suspects in this case. What does this mean to the public? That it was someone inside. Right. It means it's either someone inside the family, a targeted attack, a killer who they knew, like they already knew who the killer was, and so they didn't need suspects, they already had them, or a murder-suicide. Oh. But if this was a targeted attack that they knew who the killer was, everyone believed that this was revenge for Mallory Beaches or Stephen Smith's deaths. Who's Stephen Smith? Well, this theory really got its legs, the day after this, because SLED announced that they were reopening their investigation into Stephen's death because of evidence they found during the investigation of Maggie and Paul Murdoch's murder. Shit. So who is Stephen Smith? Stephen Smith was a 19-year-old on July 8th, 2015, who was living in Hampton, South Carolina. That day, he called his mother during the evening to let her know that he had run out of gas. Hours later, he was found lying in the middle of the road miles away from his truck, but also five miles away from his home, 
dead. Holy shit. An autopsy showed that he had died as a result of blunt force trauma, and it was assumed that he was a victim of a hit and run because his gas tank cover was left open like he was going to get more gas. Many investigators and members of the community believed that this was no accident. Stephen had been murdered, but ultimately it was never investigated. Police later noted that the scene looked staged, and Stephen could have been targeted because he was an openly gay man in an extremely conservative area. Oh my but god. Who would want Stephen Smith dead? Maybe a scorned lover? Okay, so who was he seeing at the time? Oh god. It was thought, but has never been confirmed. Alec or Paul, Alec or Paul, Alec or Paul. He was seeing Buster. Buster. And they had been dating for months at oh, this point. Oh my gosh. And what's even more odd is that Alec's brother, Randolph IV, called Stephen's father the day after his death and offered to take their wrongful death case pro bono. You're kidding. I'm not bugging with you. You're literally kidding. Right? After Maggie and Paul's death, Alec stayed out of the media, letting his team handle everything. And he would stay in hiding until September of 2021. So this is June to September. He is nowhere in the media. We didn't hear directly from the family at all until 10 days after the tragedy with Alex's brothers, and they went on ABC's news exclusive begging the public for help. In this interview, it was alleged by the Murdoch brothers that Paul had been receiving death threats in the weeks before his death. However, this claim has never been confirmed by investigators. On June 25th, Alec and family posted a $100,000 reward for any information that led to the rest of those who killed his wife and son. But it had to be before September 30th, 2021. What kind of reward has an expiration date? Right. Especially if it's your wife and son who was murdered. Yeah, that doesn't make any fucking sense. But still, there were no public appearances or pleas made by Alec, only his brothers. And... He was already looking sus, but this distance in the media made him look worse. And I forgot to mention, three days after Maggie and Paul's murder, Randy Murdoch, Alex's father, died of natural causes. Oh, shit. And it comes out that that, like Randy, was the reason why Maggie was even near her estranged husband, Alec, that day on the Moselle property. Earlier that day on June 7th, Alec texted Maggie asking her to meet him at the Moselle property so that they could both go visit Randy, who was days away from passing. Maggie told Alec that she would prefer to meet him at the public place, such as the hospital or wherever there were other people, but he insisted that they had to meet at the Moselle property so they could ride together. Maggie felt like something was wrong, so much so that she actually texted her best friend saying, quote, He's up to something. He's acting fishy. Oh my God. Why would they need to meet in the remote? They have all these locations, all these properties. acres. They need to meet at this, the, the most remote property they own to ride together to see your father. Right. And then also. And why do you need to ride together? What was I'll his, go to your dad's. What was his alibi again? 
she, he was at his dad's. So why would she need to come meet him there? Yeah, and she never made it out. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. As all of this is coming out, it is now August, two months after the murders of Maggie and Paul, when the new solicitor who had taken over since um, Randy Murdoch, a.k.a. the first non-Murdoch to be solicitor in the last 86 years for the 14th District, Duffy Stone, recuses himself from the investigation of the murders of Maggie and Paul Murdoch, a.k.a. they no longer have a prosecutor. Here's the letter that he sent to the Attorney General Alan Wilson. Quote, Dear Alan Wilson, considering the events of today in SLED's investigation of the homicide of Paul and Maggie Murdoch, I am asking that you assume all prosecute, prosecute, prosecutorial, prosecutorial, yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm asking that you become the prosecutor for this matter effective immediately. By copy of this letter, I am informing Chief Mark Keel of my decision to recuse myself from prosecuting these cases. Yours sincerely, Duffy Stone. In an interview with a local news channel, Duffy explains that his decisions were based in legal ethics. After a consultation that he had with USC legal ethics professor and expert Dr. Greg Adams, and he could not give the exact reason because it would have been still a violation of those same ethics. What? All this has been fucking crazy, right? Yeah, I'm I'm lost on that. So he sends a letter to the attorney general. Right. And he says, you have to be the prosecutor for this case because there's like a conflict of interest and legal ethics with me being in this case. But he has nothing to do with the family. So did they threaten him? No, it's just the fact. He says it has nothing to do with their relations, as, like within law and, you know, family matters. He says it has nothing to do with that. It has something to do that came up with the investigation and SLED's investigation. Okay. Holy shit. So that's fucking whack, right? Yeah. But this is where shit gets fucking crazy. Off the wall, bananas, fucking whack ass sideways. You're not even ready for this. Oh, my God. September 4th, 2021. Alec Murdoch calls 911. He had been shot in the head on the side of the road while waiting to change a flat tire in Hampton County, South Carolina. Shot in the head? Shot in the head. And he's on the phone? Mm Mm-hmm. He was able to see the man who had shot him, and he was driving a blue truck. According to Alex's attorney, Jim Griffin, in a statement with People Magazine, Alex suffered, quote, an entry and exit wound, a skull fracture, and a minor brain bleed in two places after being airlifted to a hospital and was in ICU. Also confirmed that they know that the gunshot wound was not self-inflicted. Sleds, Tommy Crosby, who is their spokesperson, also says in a statement to people, quote, agents are actively investigating the incident and it has been classified as, quote, an attempted murder. Holy shit. Yet, from being in trauma, ICU, gunshot wound to the head, two days later on September 6th, Alec is released from the hospital. And he releases a statement to the island packet saying his wounds are superficial. A.K.A. he got scraped by a bullet, like grazed him, yes. So there's no brain bleed. There's no No skull skull fracture. fracture. It was just a scrape. Wow. But also in that same statement, Alec Murdoch goes on to say, quote, The murders of my wife and son have caused an incredibly difficult time in my life. I have made a lot of decisions that I truly regret. Because of this, I am resigning from my law firm, 
P-M-P-E-D or Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Ellsroth, and Dietrich. And entering a rehab facility after a long battle that has been ascerbated. I can't ever say that word. Acerbated? I don't know whatever, um, by these murders. I am immensely sorry to everyone that I have hurt, including my family, friends, and colleagues. I ask for prayers as I rehabilitate myself in my relationships, end quote. Well. So that was that his first, like, media, like, reach out about basically the, the murders? Yeah. I feel like for such a private being, and this whole entire time, like, he gives way more information than he needs like if you're going to a rehabilitation process like you don't need to let the whole world know that I think the main reason he did that was because that is why he was leaving his family's law firm that they had owned since I mean what 1910 yeah when I say I think that I know that because um the next day on September 7th it just gets fucking crazier because the law firm comes out on People Magazine and the Island Packet saying that the law firm PMPD fired Alec on September 3rd, the day before he was shot in the head. (gasps) When one of the partners found a check on his desk from a client for $1 million that had been missing for months and confronted him about this before notifying the South Carolina Bar Association. When Alec was shot, members of his law firm went to the fucking crime scene and reported all of this to police in person. In a statement to the Island Packet, PMPED says, quote, this is disappointing news for all of us. Rest assured that our firm will deal with this in a straightforward manner. There is no place for this in our firm or such behavior. This man's got me fucked up. On September 8th, the day after these statements came out, Alex's law license was temporarily suspended by the Supreme Court of South Carolina. The next day on September 9th, Alex's older brother, Randolph IV, came forward saying, quote, I was shocked just as, re- as the rest of my PMPED family to learn of my brother's drug addiction and the stealing of money. I love my law firm family and I also love Alex as my brother. While I support him in this recovery, I do not support, condone, or excuse his conduct in stealing by manipulating his most trusted relationships, end quote. And less than a week later, on September 13th, the South Carolina State Law Enforcement Division, SLED, announces they have opened a full investigation into the stolen funds at PMPED. Oh, shit. On September 15th, two days later, a breakthrough in Alex's attempted murder case comes to light when 62-year-old Curtis Edward Smith was arrested. But? This did not come about in a way that we were told by Alec initially. This wasn't because they found him, they had done an investigation. It's because of a confession. But not Curtis's confession. Alec's confession. Alec had asked Curtis, who was his friend, former client, and drug dealer, to aid him in his own suicide. Holy shit. But why? Because if it looked like a murder then Buster, the only surviving Murdoch, would be able to receive Alec's $10 million life insurance payout. Curtis Smith was charged with assisted suicide, assault and battery of a highly aggravated nature, pointing and presenting a firearm, insurance fraud, and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. Yet, when his affidavit was released to People magazine and in an interview with CBS News with the New York Times, Curtis claims that Alec called him to come meet him for a drug deal. 
but when Curtis arrived, Alec provided him with a firearm and directed him to shoot him in the head. Curtis refused, but then Alec acted like he was going to shoot Curtis and himself. So Curtis tackled Alec to get the gun away from him when the gun fired in the struggle. Curtis says that he was 1,000% sure, that's a quote, that neither of the men were hit. He then jumped up, got into his car, and drove off. In response to this, Alec's lawyer released a statement to people saying, quote, on September 4th, it became clear to Alec that ending his life was his only option. But today, he knows that is not true. For the last 20 years, there have been many people feeding his addiction to opioids. During that time, these same individuals took advantage of his addiction and his ability to pay substantial funds for illegal drugs. One of those individuals, referring to Curtis Smith, took advantage of his mental illness and agreed to take Alec's life by shooting him in the head. On September 16th, Alec was driven to the Hampton County Law Enforcement Center and he turned himself in. Alec Murdoch was then charged with insurance fraud, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, and filing a false police report. His law license was then suspended and he was disbarred. A judge ruled that she did not believe Alec was a threat to the community and issued him a $20,000 bond. Really? That's literally Literally. nothing to this. This is a fucking penny to him. It's ridiculous. Alec posted his bond, surrendered his passport to authorities, and was released back into rehab in Orlando, Florida. But then it was made public that on September 15th, 2021, so the same day that Curtis Smith was arrested, that SLED announced they were reopening an investigation into the death of Gloria Satterfield, who died in 2018. Who was that? Gloria Satterfield was the housekeeper for the Murdochs for years. Who also died? Yes. None of these people put two and two together at all before any of this? No. And her two sons that same day, so September 15th, filed a civil lawsuit against Alec. Well, on February 2nd, 2018, Gloria was walking down the front steps of the Murdoch's Moselle property when she tripped over the family's dog, according to Maggie Murdoch, who was the only person on the property with Gloria that day. Maggie called 911 and Gloria had suffered a severe head injury during this fall. When EMTs arrived on the scene, Alec Murdaugh had somehow already gotten there before them, claiming that his wife had called him and he rushed home from work. On February 26, 2018, Gloria died due to complications, including a stroke of her injuries. Her cause of death was reported as a result of a trip and fall accident and natural on her death certificate. However, a coroner testified that they were never made aware of Gloria's death. No autopsy was ever performed and describing her death as, quote, natural was extremely improper. Absolutely. As I stated, Gloria's sons, Tony Satterfield and Brian Harrett, filed a civil lawsuit against Alec the same day that Curtis had been arrested, alleging that at Gloria's funeral, Alec approached both of the sons saying, hey, look, This is my fault because it was my dog that she tripped over on my property. Gloria was like family to us. And I just want to make sure that you guys are taken care of. So I'm going to set you up with um, this lawyer, this attorney. His name's Corey Fleming. And y'all are going to sue me. The brothers agreed and contacted Corey Fleming. Well, what they didn't know is that Corey Fleming was Alex 
college roommate and a godfather to one of Alex's sons. So Corey Fleming, as their attorney, helped Tony and Brian sue Alec. But Corey told the sons, quote, there is a financial matter in this lawsuit that needs to be handled by a banker, and his name is Chad Westendorf. So the brothers signed Chad Westendorf on as their personal representative, giving him the power to make all legal decisions for the family and court. That next day, Corey Fleming files a petition to the court to access partial funds in the settlement money. Alex's insurance company agreed to a settlement of the partial funds for $505,000 awarded to the son's legal representative, a.k.a. the banker Chad Westendorf. On January 7, 2019, the check was delivered and made out to Chad Westendorf as PR of the estate of Gloria Satterfield and Moss, Kuhn, and Fleming, PA, as attorneys. So, what the hell happened to that check? Well, Chad Westendorf put $403,500 of it into a bank account named Forge. Literally Forge. named Forge. Forge was a bank account set up by Alec Murdaugh in 2015 to place money that he had stolen from clients with Corey Fleming and Chad Westendorf, which was mimicking a real financial settlement consultant firm called Forge Consulting, which he would use to pay out the clients for PMPD's firm. And then... A second settlement was reached in the case of Gloria Satterfield in March of 2019 with the insurance company for $3.8 million. Holy shit. Totaling at $4.3 million that has now been awarded to Gloria's estate. Again, it was made out to Chad Westendorf as PR of the estate of Gloria Satterfield. And what did her sons get out of any of this? And once more, it was placed into the Forge account, despite the fact that $2.3 million of it should have been given directly to Gloria Satterfield's sons. In October of 2020, Corey and Alec filed to dismiss the settlement, stating that, quote, all parties have come to an agreement together. And Judge Carmen Mullen approved this dismissal, stating that she knew Gloria's sons had received their payouts. Well, as of September 15, 2021, Tony Satterfield and Brian Harrett had yet to see one penny of this money. Using the opportunity of Murdoch's shitty spotlight to get their justice for their mother and themselves. And it worked. On October 1st, 2021, a settlement was reached which awarded Gloria's sons $4.3 million. Thank God. On October 6th, Alec got sued again, this time by his own firm for the money that he had stolen from the clients over the years. On October 14th, 2021, Alec Murdoch was arrested again and charged with misappropriating insurance settlements funds in the wrongful death suit that followed the mysterious death of Gloria Satterfield, a.k.a two felony counts of obtaining property by false pretenses. In addition to this, it was brought to the public that after the 2019 payout of the $2.3 million, Corey asked Judge Carmen Mullen to not file the paperwork with the county clerk to keep it out of public record as they feared that the boating incident that resulted in the death of Mallory Beach would attract bad press with the funds in the family's finances. Maybe you already got bad press. So that's why the forensic consultant needed to be brought needed in. to be brought in because of these funds holy shit mm-hmm. so now that judge carmen molin is under investigation for being involved in the murdoch scheme oh absolutely right 
And that same day, Alec was officially named a person of interest in the murders of his wife and son. I literally forgot about that whole thing. I know. On October 19th, 2021, in a bond hearing, Alec was denied bail in order to have a psychiatric evaluation. On December 9th, 2021, Alec was indicted on 21 new charges against him from his own firm and former clients for well over 6.2 million dollars. Does he even have this much money anymore? I don't think so. I don't fucking think so. Like, and now are they just suing an empty wallet? You I know? mean, I guess so. I mean, the insurance company's gonna have to pay that. Holy crap. So these are the charges against him in this new indictment. So it's 21 charges. Nine counts of breach of trust, seven counts of computer crimes, four counts of money laundering, and one count of forgery. Meaning this motherfucker had 48 indictments and his bond was set at $7 million by the end of 2021. Did he pay it? I don't know. In addition to this, <laughs> his partner in literal crime, Corey Fleming, has been um, indicted for 30 plus charges and is looking at facing prison time, which not looking at, he's literally going to go to prison, um, but he's also been disbarred. On January 21st, 2022... Alec Murdoch was indicted for an additional 23 charges, including 19 counts of breach of trust with fraudulent intent and four counts of computer crimes. Six months later, in June of 2022, literally two months ago, he was indicted again with an alleged eight-year money laundering and painkiller ring with his buddy, Curtis Smith. Oh, my God. Now totaling at 81 charges against him. Sam Smith's dad? No, no, no. That, no, Curtis Smith is the guy who shot him and was his drug dealer. Oh, okay. But didn't really shoot him. And then Steven Smith, oh, they're com- I don't at. think they're related. Okay. I don't think they're related at all. Um, they just happen to have the same last name. So, yeah, painkiller ring with Curtis Smith. And that's 81 charges total against him. And none of these have to do with murder. That is until July 14th, <gasps> 2022. Chills. Tell me. When a grand jury. Tell me more. And. South Carolina, Hampton, South Carolina, indicted Alec Murdoch, charging him with two counts of murder and two counts of possession of a weapon during a commission of violent crime in the murders of his wife, Maggie Murdoch, and son, Paul Terry Murdoch. These indictments read that Alec shot his wife with a rifle before switching the guns and shooting his son with a shotgun. Though he pled not guilty, sources close to the investigation claim that, quote, high velocity blood splatter was found on Alec's clothing, as well as a cell phone audio footage was placing Alec at the scene of the crime when his wife and son were fatally shot. Holy crap. Prosecutors suggest that the motive for killing his wife and son were connected to the financial crimes that Alec had committed. In a statement obtained by CNN, Alec's attorney says, this was two days ago that I got this article and this article went out. In a statement obtained by CNN, Alec's attorney says, quote, Alec wants the trial to begin quickly because he believes his wife and son's killers are still at large. Right now, Alec Murdoch is behind bars at the Richland County's Alvin S. Glenn Detention Center on a $7 million bond. His attorneys have petitioned the courts for the trial to begin in January of 2023 for the murders of Maggie and Paul Murdoch. 
Wow. This literally is currently unfolding. Holy crap. Yeah, I know. I mean, he fucking did it. He fucking did it. Like, there's no way around it. There's no way around it. What a crazy motherfucker. That is insane. I feel like, I feel like we're gonna get sued, so I can't say too much. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like this family is gonna come after me. I, I feel like his whole entire family is against him, like, wants him to change his last name. That's true. Because if let me tell you something, if one of my little sisters was out here doing some crazy shit like this, I would. You're like, well, I'm a fat sister, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, no, it still does matter to me. I would literally go out there and be like, you're fired. You're fired from the family. Yeah, completely. That's fucking true. Uh, that is literally nuts. That what is a, insane. What a crazy ass case, dude. No, this shit is so whack. And when I was doing this research, I was like, I knew about, like, I've heard of this case and I've like looked into it a bit just to know the basics. Like it all started with Mallory Beach. That's what I always knew that it started with Mallory Beach and then two other people got murdered and there was a lot of like money involved in this. But I never knew that it well obviously we never knew it because it just happened a month ago that they like tied the dad to all of it yeah but why is the one son surviving yeah. because he's the only one that carries the family name the passed down names yeah buster yeah buster and it was probably like his father's deathbed wish yeah randy's it that was probably so randy's like deathbed wish like yeah your family has royally fucked up and your wife's going to divorce you. That can't happen in this family. She needs to go. Right. Your son has killed a ruin woman. Ruin our name. Um, and will continue to ruin our name with his partying antics and mm-hmm. his recklessness. And he needs to go. And I mean, it Buster is the only one that stays. You can you can truly see. And actually, Randy, I told you about the bootlegger situation. But yeah. There was actually more that he was kind of like in trouble for. Um, which is why he was the first to retire and not just die in that position. Yeah. Like you can almost see as the generations go on and more wealth is built and more power is given. They're just fa- like losing control. Mm-hmm. So how scary is that for like think about like families like that but on think a big level. the royal family. That's what I'm, yeah, that is literally where I was going. I was like think about the royal family. Yeah. Like can you imagine what they have to hide? Yeah. Because people just go fucking crazy when they're born and raised with that much power. Mm-hmm. You can literally see it. Think about the Kardashians. Uh, yep, that was another one I was thinking. I was thinking about the Kennedys. Like, they're a great example of it, too. Yeah. Really the Trumps. crazy. Yeah, the Trumps. Oh, my God, the Trumps. Yes. Clintons. Oh, yeah. Bushes. Yep, everybody. Oh, skull and Bones. Yeah. Wow. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> wow. I knew you were going to love Imagine a good Imagine just drama. having a family name like that. The Murdoch family. Like the Mounts family. Like that would be so. First off, I would not enjoy that. I would be like, I mean, I would, but like I wouldn't. I'd be like, there is so much pressure surrounding this. Mm -hmm. Like I struggle with going to old money people. Like I I struggle hanging around people that are old money. Is I guess the best way to put it. I would love to just like put myself just for a day in like your New England, like old money. Like, yes, it's giving like. A main Vermont property too. Vibes. That money. Your house was built in literally the year that Columbus came over. Mm -hmm. And it's it's been in your family for millions of years. And it's gorgeous. And you add on to it every year. And it's stunning. Mm -hmm. It was designed by the helicopter pad and somewhere in your property. And you have your like tennis court in the back and you have a tea room. Mm -hmm. What the fuck are you going to do in a tea room? And I have to go watch Gossip Girl after this. 
Wow. Wow. I hope Are you guys-, guys happy with your two and a half hour long episode? <laughs> Are you okay, guys? Like, what's going on? Wow. That we, was crazy. We really I feel like in. both of our cases, like, we're really susceptible to death right now. Yeah. we No, we were talking about some very powerful people <laughs> in all aspects. And literally, the one that I'm talking about is down the road from us. Yeah, we're like, hey. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, like, go Cox. We love yeah, South Carolina. Love South ah. Carolina. Love it. Bad. Yeah. Wow. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. And I think we actually drove through this area to get to Charleston. Probably. Yeah. Because it's only 60 miles away from Charleston. Yeah. I bet we did. <sighs> wow. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. That I can't amazing. wait for the updates. I know. I know that. That's why I was like, I have to do it because I want to be heavily involved in the updates. Yeah. I want us to like be reporting on the trial as it's going on. I want to watch it all day long. I want it to like, I want it to consume. Yeah. Me. Wow. So Thank hopefully you. it happens in January of 2023. We can get this motherfucker behind bars. I was intrigued. And that, that kind of stuff's really hard when you're dealing with money. And yes. That shit is hard to get the words out. Oh, so my God. Fair. That's great. <laughs> that was rough. Literally, I'm like, so then he gets charged with 81 counts of fraudulent checks for this guy, this and guy, this like, guy. I don't know what any of that means, but I'm going to say. Meanwhile, <laughs> there's two just like other murders that are tied to this family. One yeah, that was directly just kept popping tied. up names. And I'm like, who? who? Who is this? Yeah. Who? Like, it makes no sense. And, and I'm sure there's so many more, dude. You, dude, for those two to come forward, like those two to be like the basics, those are the easiest there's ones you can There's probably so many families that have been paid off. And they're just happy with their payoff, and they're like, "What am I gonna get now?" But honestly, God, if you like come forward more, like you could get paid more. Right but now. like, We're you just know, like he's broke, and I've already have like. But you know who I feel bad for? Um, I actually feel bad for Buster, the Buster. son, if he is not a, a piece of, of shit. Yeah, yeah, like if he's not a piece of shit, like that really sucks. You've he lost your entire family. Yeah. You've lost your entire family and you've lost everything that you've grown up with. All of their properties have been sold. Mm -hmm. Like they haven't, he has nothing. Yeah. Well, yeah, that sucks. Really does. (sighs) Alrighty. I hope that if he is involved in it, then he, it'll come out and he'll grow from it because he's young. Right. I mean, he's like what a year older than us, two years older than us. Oh, yeah. Probably. Paul's the one that was 1999. He was 1996, two years older than us. Yeah, so he's 26. Yeah. <sighs> Damn. Yeah, that's tough. Hope you guys enjoyed episode 100. Happy 100. Don't we ever expect a two and a half hour episode ever again. I don't even think it's going to end up being 200, 200 hours. What? Yeah. I don't think it's going to end up being 230. Probably two. I could not pronounce words. But you guys will be getting a two hour. All right. Love ya. Love you. Bye.